happens during these blackout periods is you get the feeling of phenomenal acceleration, like you're being shot out over millions, billions of years. Time simply obliterates. You guys are shooting up with an untested drug that stacks up in the brain and works in the nucleus of the cell, and you don't call that dangerous. Hold on a second. Yeah, 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 I'm coming. Hold on. something I need to tell you. Are we alone? Quick, grab anything you can. We gotta go. Is there a back door? They're coming. They're coming. Oh god, they're here. Go. Damn this wicked planet. Welcome to the Wicked Planet Podcast, lucky number episode... Oh, fuck, hold on. Let me try that again. It's not over. Welcome to the Wicked Planet Podcast. Just open up a new screen. Lucky episode number 13. With us tonight, a special guest. But before we get to them, we're coming at you once again from the haunted garage in an undisclosed location somewhere in New England. You know him. He's the man with a plan. You know him as Ron from New England. Ron, what's going on? Hello, everybody. Hey, we got a really special guest in the studio tonight. Actually, we got two special guests. I want to welcome to the studio my uh, new bobblehead called from the movie The Men Who Stare at Goats. When I bought that movie probably 20 years ago, it came with a bobblehead and it was brand new in the package. I took it out, so I'm welcoming him, welcoming him to the studio. And we have our Kristen has finally made an appearance in the studio. Kristen was uh, part of the original gang. We Yay. were talking about getting the, getting the studio put together, getting the show going. Really, really smart kid. I've known her her whole life, and I welcome you to the show. Kristen, how you doing tonight? Good, good. I uh, For anyone that is wondering how much the goat bobblehood is worth, I looked it up. It's anywhere, but even though it's 20 years old-ish, it's anywhere from eight ninety nine to maybe 99 bucks, which is probably... Did you say $99? It's probably a scalper on eBay. Don't get too excited. So everywhere else was like 9 bucks to 11 bucks. But it is a very cool bobblehead. Works better than the ones I grew up with. So I feel like that should be in the thousands by now. (laughs) That's what I thought. I thought it was at least going to be like 150 bucks, but maybe if Disney made it. Who knows? So the men who stare at goats bobblehead... is uh, interesting that we brought him in on episode Lucky 13. 
and uh, he's uh, the men that stare at who stare at goats was uh, a movie about uh, the army's program to uh, basically do drugs and do remote viewing uh, against the Russians. So drugs are bad, kids. Yeah. So so a fitting don't fitting do that thing for the episode tonight. Unless Dare to stay ayahuasca. off drugs. If it's ayahuasca, go for it. Well. Yeah, I don't know. You have to. I watched that movie again the other night. It's pretty good. Don't hippies do ayahuasca? Do I look like a hippie? I mean, you have long hair. She's probably a closet hippie. <laughs> I feel like I look like Pocahontas, but I'll take hippie too. Well, Whatever. yeah, you're pretty close there, Pocahontas, as so, long as it's not Elizabeth Warren. So Pocahontas. you're culturally appropriating Pocahontas. Then. No, she's actually Indian. Yeah. Oh, but she's Native American. I mean, American. I don't know what. Pocahontas well, that makes two of us because I am also Native American. Me too. Hashtag me too. Yeah, no, I was a member of the Lapahole tribe. We're all Native American. Hashtag natives. Then we should form our own tribe. We have. We'll We're call here. it the Makalakanina tribe. Did anybody Makalaka. catch on to which tribe I was from? No. The Lapoldis. The Lapahole. Lapahole. Lapahole? <laughs> like... <laughs> That's like a NASCAR track, right? Is that what the magic mile is? Not exactly. <laughs> I was thinking like lapping a hole, like licking a hole. Like lap. Yeah, that's what Like a dog laps water. (laughs) All right, let's get off that. Is that weird? Yeah, okay. I don't want to be, uh, one of your friends had DM'd me on uh, Instagram saying that Buckley was very good at reining me in from my sexist comments. One of my friends DM'd you? I think it was one of your friends, but you know what? This is me. This is what you get. I'm an old guy. Give me a hint. Uh, I'll tell you after the show. Oh, come on. All right, so (laughs) what do we got first? What do we got going on? Well, I mean, the weather. Yeah, it's nice. It's it was it's not nice. It's been raining. Okay, so we had a thunderstorm roll through. No big deal. Nice. Jeez, it's, Ron. it's been warm. It's been muggy. It's been <clears throat> a little on the oppressive side. Uh, nice storm just rolled through. It's nice and cool right now. But uh, yeah, I don't think anybody cares about the weather. It's it's New England, so the weather's going to be the same uh, for the except for the five minute intervals, like when it changes every day. So, Should we just cut this this part? No. One good thing about the weather that they should know right, is after a rainstorm, uh, negative ions are released. And when we go outside and breathe those negative ions in, they're really good for uh, stress reduction. They help relieve depression. And uh, it's really good for the bloodstream. So And it smells really good, too. Yeah. Exactly. So you're like saying it's, as soon as it's done raining, I should run outside just start breathing as much as I can. Yeah, huff it. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, so what's new in the world? I, I don't think I have anything, honestly. Oh, I got a whole list of stuff. Oh, God. Don't I always? COVID, right. COVID, vaccines, Very COVID. little on that tonight. Fuck Biden. COVID. Okay, so we got Biden went to the G7 summit over there in England. Uh, where they all were social distancing and wearing masks and not shaking hands while uh, while the cameras were on. And then when the cameras were off, they were hugging and talking and doing that, which just, again, leads us all to know that it's just all a bunch of crap that they're trying to push on us. Uh, I guess he's going to have a meeting with Putin on Wednesday. Ought to be interesting to see how that goes, because I think he's going to get shredded by Putin. Uh, did you see the interview that Putin did with some American news agency where he talked about, uh, asked us about uh, our political prisoners, the people that we're prosecuting for the G- January 6th, uh, in parentheses, insurrection? 
So what? What? Tell us about it. Well, nothing. Putin's <clears throat> like, well, what are you doing with that? Those are like political political prisoners now. You're attacking those people for their political beliefs. So doesn't that kind of go against the American way? He was kind of ripping on. You know, Putin's a smart guy. Yeah, he's a really well, smart guy. I mean, I mean, you know, he's a criminal. There's no doubt. I don't about really that. agree with a lot of Putin. Like his uh, his outlook on well, a lot of Russia's outlook is, as far as I know, which could be complete propaganda. Is you know, on the whole gay um, homosexuality thing, they don't really. As far as I know, they really yeah. condone it, so that's kind of problematic. But not the only thing. But um, I think if you're dumb enough to run into the capital for whatever reason, maybe you should be prosecuted. Honestly, well, the the point is they didn't <clears throat> run in; they were let in. So. Well, okay. no, there's no well about it. They were let in. They were let in. They were flagged in. Uh, well, I think they, the girl that was shot, Ashley Babbitt, who was breaking through a window into the Capitol, wasn't let in. I just wonder why it was a Simpsons episode. I mean, when did that episode <laughs> come out? How many years ago? Yeah, that whole thing with the Simpsons. Was uh, that a Simpsons episode? I think she's right, yeah. Yeah. Really? Like storming yeah. the Capitol? Yeah. Okay, but I get what you're saying, because I saw the videos where, obviously, there was no police, no security. And cops were waving people in, but I'm saying like once once you're in in the point of breaking into like through a window and climbing through a window of a door, that's a little surpasses a cop letting you onto the grounds or even through a doorway. It's yeah, that, that point whole, like you that should probably thing, check yourself where you're. Yeah, at. that whole thing with Ashley Babbitt getting shot is. Uh... I don't know. I think that's a little sketchy, uh, that whole deal there for sure. Uh, but I guess uh, Biden is going to be having a meeting with Putin. And uh, I think they're going to talk about the pipeline that uh, Biden told uh, Putin that they could go ahead and and, uh, and make happen, which is really interesting at the same time when he was shutting down American pipelines. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if Hunter gets a job with the Russians now. <laughs> Because you don't hear anything about what, what Hunter's been up to. This right? is the guy that was, like, doing meth and getting his dick sucked by a prostitute? Uh, that guy? I uh, don't know about that, but I understand that he was having sex with his dead brother's daughter. Which, I don't care. You know, if some if, if one of Trump's kids did that, we'd still be hearing about it 24-7 every day, and they'd be blaming it on the Russians the whole time. I thought you were talking about Hunter Biden. I'm talking about Hunter Biden. Yeah, he's the guy who the, with the laptop. He was, like, getting... Like, oh, yeah, well, that could he was be... smoking yeah. crack or meth and getting oh, his dick yeah. sucked by a yeah, prostitute. Yeah, 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 but how come we're not hearing anything about that? Because it was kibosh? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, because it was kibosh because of the, uh, the mainstream <clears throat> media. Okay, so let's uh, see if Hunter gets a job in Russia now. Uh, what else is big in the news? The Arizona audit. Uh, some interesting things happening there. They allegedly had uh, completed the counting of the ballots, uh, and they found uh, 100,000 ballots blank. Yeah. Blank. Yeah, I saw some stuff. About and this. over 250,000 ballots are now mysteriously missing. Did you? Oh. Well, you know, Trump only lost by 11,000 votes, which seemed to be about the average in every state was around between 10,000, 11,000 votes, which again. We all know the same thing is this thing is whole suspect. Did you see the uh, little video interview of Trump's lawyer mm. where he was kind of saying that, uh, or sorry, she, not a he, where she was saying that um, she thinks that the way that the, the kind of the audits are going, that Trump should probably be reinstated eventually further down the line. Oh, yeah. Presidency. Well, I think that's what they've all been saying right along. Right. Yeah. But it, it was like kind of. 
it was it was recent and it was public. It was current. Yeah, Check it out. I, I guess I was talking to one of the guys uh, today, and they were saying that uh, there's going to be a uh, a rally for the audit in New Hampshire tomorrow. Do you know anything about that? I know last weekend, uh, my friend was like, why are the Proud Boys outside of the Capitol building? And I was like, are they? Huh, that's strange. And she's like, yeah, there's like the Proud Boys and as well as um, just a bunch of people with Trump signs and stuff. So I don't know. Is is that going on this weekend? I it's supposed to be going on tomorrow. I got to look into it because if it's huh. going on, I might go down and uh, check it out. Yeah. Uh, just for the show. Uh, so the other cool thing we got going on is Representative Marjorie Green. Everybody knows about Marjorie Green. She's the one that always is having the pissing contest with Pelosi uh, over the use of masks and this and that when we know that Pelosi's only doing it for photo ops, right? Well, she's uh, she introduced uh, Fire Fauci legislation uh, where she wants to get rid of Fauci. She wants to uh, bring his salary to zero, which I guess essentially would be firing him, right? Get him out. Yeah, Boom. Yeah, I'd like to see what happens with that. Uh, the other thing, we're not going to talk about COVID or the vaccine too much, but uh, the CDC now is saying that the COVID jab is going to be paused for people under 30 due to this uh, heart inflammation uh, thing that's been happening with the with the vaccines. Mm. So so that's very interesting. And, and funny enough, uh, tonight when we were getting ready for the show, I actually got a, uh, a text message from my pharmacy and I thought it was kind of interesting. I won't say which pharmacy it is, but such and such pharmacy uh the covid-19 vaccines are here adults and kids 12 plus are eligible via walk-in or schedule an appointment at blah blah blah.com vaccination slash home uh so that said 12 plus i think anybody if you make your kid get the vaccine you should be guilty of freaking child abuse i got a call from the cdc today and this isn't the first time that they've called me Trying to get like health information and from your clients, yeah, taking surveys. No, 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 from me directly, my, my oh. personal phone. Oh, trying to get like health information and whatever, but I, I just always hang up. It's ridiculous. Like, don't call my phone, CDC. Do you think Go it was, to hell. do you really think it was a CDC or was it possibly a scam call? Who knows to get your personal information? Who knows? Yeah, people be careful of any calls that you're getting nowadays. You don't recognize the number, don't even answer the phone. Well, it was a conquered number. That's why I, why I picked up. Yeah, well, they could be. What is that that they use? Uh, they clone phones. Like a redirecting kind of. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's pinpoints the location and produces a number. Anyway, so, uh, so that's yes. That's from your area. So what we're hearing today is they're going to pause the uh, vaccine for people uh, under 30, uh, which is uh, interesting. I guess we're going to see how that plays out. Uh, the next thing, uh, New York and California now are officially open. Cuomo came on and said that. New York is now open. It's about fucking time. Well, I think you run out of grannies to kill. Well, Newsom's also getting recalled. Yeah. Well, and he's... everybody's moving out of his state. And oh. Caitlyn Jenner's running for governor. Yeah, that ought to be interesting, Wait, is, right? Is rimming back on in New York then? I what know. is? Rimming? I, Cuomo paused rimming sessions, you know, when you... Uh... Rim, like rim jobs? Yeah, yeah. Is that back on now, too? Oh, is that, that must be. Business? Are you talking about, it like, eating be. ass? Yeah, yeah. That was one of the laws that had... <laughs> I don't know if it was a law, but it was one of the mandates during COVID. No more rimming. 
You oh, must so all so stop that eating must ass. Have, well, they could must they be have, doing that again. I declare you Has must he been all in a better stop. mood? Has Cuomo been in a better mood lately? Yeah, well, he's well, he's trying to do anything to distract from the bullshit he's got going on. But I wonder if they wear the mask, <laughs> getting back to the rimming, if they wear the mask with the slits while in it, like they the, rim, like the, like the clarinet players, like yeah, in right. high school band. <laughs> Just like a little a little slit where their tongue can come out. And oh lips. my god, that is so gross. They've been yeah, it's wearing all masks just, longer than we have. It's all just for virtue signaling. If you're eating ass, wear a mask. But you can cut a little slit in it and stick your tongue out. And uh, oh my god, that is so gross. <clears throat> your lips. Yeah, I don't I don't get that whole thing. But that's just me. I'm I'm old school. Thanks I guess. for that, Kristen. Yeah, thank you, Kristen, for that insightful question. Leah, uh, <laughs> we, we should probably just stop this episode to start yeah. from the beginning. We'll meet tomorrow. Why? We'll just no. We should just reschedule this time for like, and just I do this episode. <laughs> no, this is joking. lucky thirteen. We've already stopped. We're gonna keep going. Oh, that's why uh, because it's thirteen. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, uh, so anyway, so New York and California, they're uh, they're open. So I have a personal message to all the people from New York and California that moved to Florida. Fucking go home, please. <laughs> so I don't have to pay four hundred grand for a house that's only worth two hundred grand, because that's the reason why a thousand people a day moving to Florida. You people need to turn around and go home. It's going to be too hot, right? Everybody says too hot in Florida. So so go back to New York where it's nice and hot, too, at the same time as it is in Florida. Houses, just, just to say, are going up a grand a day. If you go on Zillow. Oh, really? They're going up a grand a day. That's crazy. Easy. Yeah. People are selling their houses and they're getting like thirty or $40,000 over asking price. Yeah. That's insane. Like, that makes me want to sell my house and go live in a tent and not have to pay property tax. Because that's going up again in New Hampshire. The housing market is insane right now. Yeah. Well, don't you think we're in a big bubble? We're definitely in a housing bubble. <laughs> what? No. You don't think so? Continue. No. You, you don't think we're in a housing bubble? I was going to make some like smart-ass joke, and then I decided to not. My mind went to the simulation bubble. Simulation bubble. <laughs> simulation or stimulation? Simulation. Sim- oh, simulation. Yeah. Hey, something else interesting this week. A uh, couple of things. Uh, the Clinton body count has increased. The Clinton? The Clinton One body count increased. Yeah, the uh, uh, the reporter, Christopher Sign, uh, suicided himself, evidently. And he's the one that uh, broke the news when Bill Clinton was meeting with the, uh, the was it the AG or whatever on the tarmac? Uh, yeah, right, during, right, like before the election, when all the shit was going on, uh, in uh, when when Hillary was running against Trump, like they're not supposed to have any contact with other high-ranking uh, political officials or whatever. But Bill Clinton said, "Well, we just talked about our grandchildren and stuff like that, which we all know is bullshit." Uh, but anyways, they were probably discussing the Russian collusion thing. But anyways, uh, the reporter that broke that story, uh, he's dead, uh, and. Uh, it's and, a common uh, trend. And yeah, yeah. Well, the, the Clinton Clintons. body count's getting up there. Now, I don't care how bad your luck is. You don't have 50 or 60 friends that have died mysteriously or committed suicide or, or people that you're associated with, okay? Uh, the other well, thing how was, well do you know me, Ron? Uh, I'm talking about Clinton. So if you have the dirt on Clinton, you might want to watch it back. Uh, the next thing, really cool thing, Fox reporter Ivory Hecker. Uh, comes out during a report and says, hey, I just want everybody to know that Fox News has been muzzling me and other reporters and telling us what stories not to report on. Uh, That's so she's, not a big surprise. Yeah, but she yeah, like, but she on. said it, though. But she came out and said it. So now she's uh, now being interviewed. What do you want, a cookie, lady? What? She, she's being interviewed by Project Veritas. Well, you know, everybody assumed that Fox was the, the pro-Trump channel, right? 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they're, they're being muzzled on stories. But, like, you should know that that's happening by well, we now. Well, we know that. Yeah. We know with the, mo- the uh, uh, censorship media. of the media. And if you do not, I don't know what to do for you anymore. Like, what... If you don't know that, what what what, what can we do for you? Yeah, there's really no reason That's for people to be yeah people exactly. people watching uh, mainstream media. Just don't do it anymore. <clears throat> uh, but anyways, yeah. So that's about it. I'm sure there's more current events. I just wanted to run a few things by you. So, anyways, uh, something cool tonight. We brought Kristen in. Kristen's got some experience with tonight's topic, and, uh, and we're just going to touch on it a little bit because we're going to end up doing a whole series on it. Uh, probably going to do a yeah. Probably going to do a show a month on it. Uh, but tonight we're going to talk about everybody's meth. favorite. No meth, no crack. Heroin. <laughs> no. We're going to talk about. Bath salts. Psycho- nope. Psychedelics. Oh, Yay. sorry. I, well, I, I guess I researched all the wrong drugs for the show. Or the wrong well, no, Kristen. no, because we're going to do the comparison to why psychedelics are a schedule one drug when they shouldn't be, right? Right. So, so, so what- Kristen, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, and then we're going to go in and we're going to start talking a little bit about uh, about psychedelics and, and what they're good for, what they're used for, and and a few questions uh, to why uh, the government and the powers that be don't want us doing them. Also, tell us where people can find your shit. <laughs> like tonight. <laughs> yeah. Tonight. So if he wants to Do you have Alaska, an ace weed at first? No, I'm just you saying. can uh, come to the haunted garage in the undisclosed location. There is a street light on the corner of like a fast road. You can meet me in the middle of that road and we can just quickly we can is it arrange, a crossroads? We can arrange the, the sale there. Um, so a little bit about me. Uh, where do I start? I mean, I've I've known Ron since before I was born. He's known my mom, I don't know how long before that, but I was just a, a work in progress at the time where, where Ron met me. Um, since then, the past 30-ish years, I've been dabbling in like self-help, um, mental illness, anxiety, depression, suicide, ayahuasca, weed, mushrooms, LSD, um, Finding demons, both my own and physical demons. I've been, I, it's been a, it's been a weird 30 years. That's for sure. Um, yeah. I, yeah. You know, Kristen, I know, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I know that you've had a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but you've suffered from anxiety issues ever since you were a little kid. I mean, I've known you since you were in your mother's belly. And, uh, so always, always had this little thing for you. Always wanted to keep an eye on you, kind of take you under my wing where I could, uh, you know, every once in a while, I would just text her, see how she's doing. She would come to the haunted garage if she had a problem with her car, and we would end up sitting around, hanging out, talking about her, giving her a little therapy session. Sometimes but, food. But yeah, so so anyways, but but I know that you've been kind of dabbling in the ayahuasca over the last couple of years. I know we've talked on it briefly when I when I see you, uh, and then when we discussed, you know, about doing the show, I wanted to bring you in as part of the panel, uh, which is cool because you're finally here tonight. And uh, so I just wanted to kind of, yeah, I just wanted to kind of talk about uh, some of your experiences with that. Uh, And then we're going to go over a few other things. You know, we're just going to hit the surface tonight, uh, just get a little information out there. And uh, and we can, uh, I don't know where Buckley stands on this, but I've had a little experience with uh, some psychedelics, uh, not a (laughs) lot, but but anyways, uh, we can talk about. Drugs are bad. Yeah, I don't do drugs. I dare to stay out. All right, Mr. Mackey. But no, Kristen. Plant medicine, people. We aren't doing drugs. Yeah, so with you're... ayahuasca. This is what I've heard about ayahuasca. Because I've watched some stuff on it. People speak about taking it. I've never done it because I'm kind of afraid. 
and I'm a pussy. I also don't know where to find it. But <clears throat> so what I've heard about ayahuasca is it kind of takes who you are and who you think you are and just grabs it and kind of just like smashes it against the wall and shatters it. So like everything that you presume or um, you perceive of yourself, possibly others too, it kind of just breaks it down and it's just kind of like, uh-uh, no. And as well as it kind of makes you do a hard reset as well as come face to face with things in your life that you're struggling with, you're battling with that maybe you haven't dealt with. Is that? Those are all good possibilities. Ayahuasca, it won't give you what you want. It will give you what you need. However, it is good to go into your ceremony with an intention. Uh, most most people for the first time, they might not know what their intention is. Um, and if you're terrified to go into the medicine, you're battling your choice, you know, you're like, why am I here? Why did I come here? I shouldn't be here. I'm not ready. If you're going through that, ayahuasca, she is very, she's going to be very gentle with you. Um, and by gentle, I mean, like my first time I did ayahuasca, I was terrified. I thought I was going to die before going <laughs> in and while the medicine was kicking in. But she did it in a very <laughs> gentle way uh, compared to some of the other experiences I had later on down the road. She, she definitely shakes you up, uh, but again, she gives you what you need. So as long as you keep reminding yourself, this is all for my better good, this is all with love, you will, you're always going to make it out. As long as you're honest with your practitioner, your shaman, you're not uh, going against the pre-diets or taking any medications that don't mix with ayahuasca, and you're honest about your health conditions with your shaman, like you're not you're not gonna die there's nothing to be scared of i mean you might poop your pants it happens to people but that's okay, because okay so that's what i was gonna talk yeah, about didn't you, you gotta follow the diet okay okay so <laughs> before you poop your pants no i follow no, the right, diet. so I follow uh, so before Kristen did this we had a little discussion and, and, and she pooped like, her uh, pants. because because she had that's told sweet. me she was gonna go do that which i thought was a great idea for her because uh, you know, she's, she, oh, she's into this stuff and, and really so am I. I mean, I've never experienced, I'd really like to, but, Me and uh, you, but, Ron. but we had, we had a discussion, uh, and I know Kristen that you had a lot of anxieties going into this. So, so how do you feel that that, uh, do you think that that changed the outcome of your experience with ayahuasca or, or as you were experiencing your ayahuasca, did those anxieties go away at all? Or did you have any control over that? Uh, so the first time I went to embark on my traveling to ayahuasca, luckily I didn't have to go to the jungle. I'm way too terrified <laughs> of like. Well, you oh god, hold on. So you went down south for this? Yeah, I went to Florida. Oh, it was in Florida. Okay, they had yeah, that with shit somebody in I knew. Yeah, with somebody I knew. Somebody very professional. She has spent like many, many years. I'm talking probably like 20 plus years in the medical field. She's super safe, uh, super mothering, like just just amazing like all around so i felt safe with the people i was so so a guide so to speak she was a guide yeah, yeah she, okay. she's honestly she's been like a mother guide to me she's been like a uh, a medicine guide in a way because she, when you're growing up and you're like developing like your psychic abilities and you're a female and you're like all alone and 
your grandmother is older and she's like bringing in like witch trials and stuff like you you just witch keep trial. it to yourself and you feel like you're by yourself but luckily there's there's uh, other people out there that have gone through the same thing so she's been a guide on many levels anyways my anxiety before going into ayahuasca i struggled with anxiety every second of every single day like even when i was sleeping i would have anxiety about the bus ride to school the next day like i'd and i'd wake up a hundred times a night actually my sleep study says i wake up like i think it's close to a hundred times an hour with my sleep apnea like truly scientifically i wake up like a hundred times an hour that's more than one time a second yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, so so I remember when Kristen was really young, uh, she had major anxieties about going to school. Are you a demon? Uh, yeah, I've been attacked by demons. I think. Uh, yeah, we're, we're gonna get <laughs> we're into that. But I remember, I remember, in in why I understood what she was talking about was, I had a similar experience. Uh, not really in elementary school, but more getting into middle school when we actually didn't go to school in our town and we got bussed a few towns over to go to the central school. Is that when you started having problems when you started going over to the middle school? Yeah. Okay. So I did too. So I would get off the bus every day, right at middle school. And I would throw up for like weeks and weeks at a time. It was like on a schedule. And I, and I finally had to, my mom actually took me to the doctors and my doctor's like, well, what's going on? You know, and I was having a lot of trouble at home at the time and uh, just with my dad being, you know, a freaking jerk that he was to me all the time. But but I mean, so I kind of understood what Kristen was dealing with. So we had a, you know, we would have talks about that or whatever, uh, her overcoming that. And uh, so so I, I know that you had a hard time doing that. So and I know that you definitely weren't dabbling in any drugs at that point because uh, you were pretty young back then. But I know that this is a like a lifelong thing for you, the dealing with your anxiety and everything like that. So, 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 tell us, you know, where you got the idea to maybe, uh, you know, try things to try to ease your anxieties and how the ayahuasca came into play. Yeah, can you? I also. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Just real quick. I'm really my fans. (laughs) Obviously, you were kind of maybe I don't know if you were doing it to combat that anxiety or whatever was going on in your life but like definitely what kind of maybe spiritual outcomes or changes from before and after as well okay like perceiving the world how you perceive maybe life people um your existence kind of does that make sense yeah definitely yeah so like a lot has changed um so before going into ayahuasca, like I had spent, so middle school, you're like 11 years old when you hit middle school, maybe like 12. And that's when they first put me on my first antidepressant. I think it was Zoloft. And it made me feel like, yeah, I didn't feel like as much anxiety anymore or as depressed because that was when I turned into like my suicidal years was 11, 12 years old as well. It was also, like, a major a life move. Like, I was living with my mom and then had to live with my dad and, like, was going into, like, puberty with just your dad. Which is, a, t- which is a tough time, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, re- I remember when you're, uh, you know, because your parents split up. I remember that well. And uh, and I remember when you were living with your mom and then you were going to come live with your dad. And, I, you know, you know, your dad is not what I would call, and I'm not beating up on him, so don't take it wrong, but he's not what I would call the most affectionate or loving type of type of person i remember when you were a little kid uh 
and I would ask him, uh, hey, how's the baby doing? Oh, it's it's pretty good. He used to say it's. He would say, oh, it's good. You know, it, it's really not that bad. It doesn't eat that much. I'm thinking to myself, it, what the, What are you talking about? Wow. It. Yeah, did you? Did I ever tell you that? No. Well, I'm sorry what? to have to bring oh, that break not, that to you now. Could, yeah. not, but but her dad, sure. her She's, dad is not like an affectionate, caring type. She of She could be an it though. We're not She's quite not sure. Not I haven't know. quite gauged Guys, her. Don't don't let him. I'm not. Some, she could be some sort my of hair's demon not from that hell. Long, okay, and it's not Just covering joking. my face. It's like you a little past my shoulders. Yeah, no, but you were saying you were saying you were talking about you were talking about the change and yeah. So like. Um, that was my first antidepressant was the Zoloft and like, yeah, I couldn't really feel any anxiety or anything else, but I didn't like feeling like a zombie that kind of gave me anxiety too. So the Zoloft didn't work out. I, uh, I took that, I don't even know how long, maybe like less than a year. And then I stopped taking it cause it was giving me headaches and a bunch of other stuff. And I basically still felt the same, but felt zombified. So that wasn't the answer. Uh, my counselor at the time she would come into my school she didn't work at school but she came into that school every single week and she would take me out of class for like at least an hour a day we'd go walk outside and talk therapy was like huge for me because it was somebody i could relate to um i never tried an antidepressant med again until like maybe my 20s um so fast forward I'm on anxiety meds and I'm getting addicted to diazepam and like it's my first time well I had self-medicated with marijuana I'll say that from like age 12 until ayahuasca when I've I heard, was 29. I've heard diazepam are terrible to get off of yeah um, I don't know if you know Jordan Peterson yeah I really enjoy his videos actually I think he was <clears throat> he was struggling with mental illness severe depression possibly and he was on diazepam and he was trying to get off him and he had to go to like clinic and stay there just to try and because the withdrawals were so bad that they were like causing him to have really bad health risks. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, I was taking my whole week prescription in a day and Whoa. then I was calling yeah, at work too. I worked in a call center, like answering phone calls all day, but I was eating it. Yeah, I just sat there at my desk and I just would take one every 20 minutes and that would be my day and then you know i'd start early so that way i didn't have to drive like that and by the end of the day i was okay to drive i just wanted to feel nothing but i had gone through a lot up until that point that's a whole nother story with prescriptions and how to kill people and you know right right, right. yeah you know the the thing is that's what really gets me how the uh, pharmaceutical industrial complex has no problem whatsoever like administering psychiatric drug drugs psychoactive drugs to 12 13 14 year old kids right and then you get the whole list of you know what the side effects are and, this, and suicide is always one of them yeah and it's just really sad because the psychedelics that we're going to be talking about or we are talking about right right these can actually help people with that yeah it, uh, it, yeah i mean all of that right and so and but but the government has them on a schedule one which is the same as heroin and methamphetamines and all these other bad drugs and uh it, and they really shouldn't be there and i feel that no. they're there for a reason they're there because the the government is in cahoots with the pharmaceuticals and they don't want you to take any type of natural medicine to heal you because we all know that doctors like patients they don't want to cure you right right so right you, so you you take a situation like with Kristen at a very young age, she's prescribed these drugs 
and they did her absolutely no good. And thankfully, she got past that. And uh, when she discovered, you know, ways to, uh, well, we won't call it self-medication, but I mean, when she looked into uh, natural medicines to help you with your anxiety. And I think, and I and I don't understand why this stuff, well, I know why it's illegal, but I don't understand their rationale and why they can't just say, hey, you know what, let's, let's just, let's just take this off of schedule one. Yeah. It helps people. You know, what's the problem with that? So, so tell us about how you. Wait, hold on. I had something. Oh, go ahead. The thing with that I, the. The issue I have with pharmaceutical companies is that it's kind of like the vaccine in a sense. I'm not going to get in the vaccine, but it's like for every ailment or illness that you have, it's like, oh, take this medicine, take this pill. You're depressed. Here, take this. You're uh, you're having trouble sleeping. Take this. You uh, you're whatever for anything. There's a pill. Take this pill. And lots of the pills, they have terrible side effects, you know. I mean, just look at the examples on TV. You see a, a Zoloft or whatever it is, and it's this, uh, you know, list of side effects. But where is the focus on just general health? Now, I've said this before. I'm not the gold standard of health, but a lot of things like depression can be uh, fixed with diet. Mm-hmm. It can be fixed with exercise. It can be fixed with going out in society and finding uh, an activity that you really like to do and not just sitting on your phone or playing video games nonstop or becoming some interweb person. But do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Getting out into nature. It's like, here's a pill for everything that uh, is wrong with you, but let's not focus on exercise. Let's not focus on, you know, human contact. Let's not focus on diet. Have a pill instead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of the foods that we're eating now. Right. When you start seeing the ingredients in those foods, I mean, the GMO foods. Oh, fucking it, it, Yeah. It's just like, uh, OK, this cheese should be uh, cheese. That's what's in it. But no, it's got like 50 other things in it. And then you start doing the research on that, like some stuff I saw today, some of the products that use this particular chemical. And I wanted to write it down just, you know, for the show. But it's basically derived from aborted fetal tissue. And it's like, Yummy. oh my god, like oh, yeah! Like, why are you putting that in a freaking food? You know, so 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 yeah. So diet or vaccines? Yeah. So so diet plays a big role. Exercise, of course, uh, it plays a big role. Getting out in nature, getting out into the woods, right? I think people need to reconnect with nature. Yeah, nature. Yeah, uh, they got to get. Something it. I miss, but that's huge. Like, I, if you just go out, if you leave your house, if you leave, if you live in a city. If you're like always on the computer or whatever, just go outside. Even if it's for 30 minutes, go in the woods for 30 minutes. You just step outside for 30 minutes. Nature is the, it's a fundamental necessity of life. Oh yeah. And you need it. Yeah. Like for me, it's off-roading when I go off-roading and I'm out in the middle of nowhere uh, and the phones don't work and everything. That's like the best feeling that there is at the end of the day. You're just so relaxed, but uh but and then the grounding, right? You're familiar with grounding, where they say yeah. walk outside with bare, bare feet. feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like I know that when I do that at home in the summer, just walking across my lawn in bare feet. I don't know. It's weird. It does make you feel better. Yeah, and it's a it's a weird thing. But but Kristen, tell us about uh, you know going through high school and stuff like that. How you dealt with your anxieties. And, uh, you know, and, and then uh, about when you started deciding that you were going to get off the pharmaceutical drugs and start exploring things like psych- psychedelics to help you out. 
Yeah, just one more thing while we're on the uh, topic of being out in nature. I just want people to know, um, so our DNA strands, they're actually light codes, um, and light codes are just their frequencies of light. Uh, We need minerals to build those DNA light codes. And with a full matrix of minerals, if we could have that in our modern diet, which is difficult, you need supplements, Um, just going out in the sun, because the sun is also a frequency of light, it can interact with those DNA light codes and just completely rejuvenate, repair, restructure. So it's uh, just to encourage people to to really focus on their diet and try to heal from the inside out. Get outside. Yeah, (laughs) get outside, get your full range of uh, minerals, and, you know, we can maybe go into yeah well that's the other thing they take the minerals out of the food right yeah and just when you cook them i mean if if they had minerals they don't anymore when you cook them in a certain pan um but yeah so the zoloft didn't work out that was in like middle school i stayed off antidepressants that was the first one i tried and i didn't want to try another one because i just it wasn't working out for me it only made me feel worse um fast forward to like my mid to late 20s i was on prozac at this time and We'll get into that later, I think. But Prozac is like, I think it's made by somebody that works for the devil. (laughs) I mean, not that literal, but pretty much the same. Um, It's a very evil drug and... It made me feel like I, yeah, we'll we'll get into that with like the... Okay, can I say something real quick about Prozac? Yeah. So Prozac was what the Nazis were putting in the water in the concentration camps because there was a connection between Prozac and fluoride. Like fluoride is like what Prozac is, right? And I, I, yeah, so I want people to do a little research. Oh, the cooler, the cooler's making noise. So, so yeah, so Prozac, Prozac and fluoride have a connection. That's why there's the big push to get away from the fluoride, get away from drinking your tap water in the city, right? But, uh, but yeah, so Prozac is, uh, I've never heard anything good about Prozac. So tell us about some of your experiences when, uh, when you were on the Prozac. Why did you decide that it was the devil drug? Uh, well, first of all, when you're depressed, I'm sure some of it for a lot of people can't stay, say statistically how many people, but it's probably like your, uh, your, your self-image, the way the world, you think the world sees you because of how you see yourself. Um, so your your self view or your self love is already probably pretty low. Uh, when you get put on Prozac, you gain <laughs> a lot of weight. Like I gained like eighty pounds, eighty pretty rapidly, and uh, that Jeez. made me feel like garbage. Not only could I like not recognize myself in the mirror, I think I got like a lot of breakouts, um, like acne wise, you know. Um, I couldn't fit in any of my clothes. I couldn't afford to get clothes because I live in America. Like I work for corporate, so <laughs> that's just how that is. Um, but I had spent probably 15 ish of my years of life self harming. Um, a lot of the times would be like starving myself. Uh, my favorite thing to do was self-harm with just like cutting myself in different places. Mm. And I was having uh, rough Prozac was actually going pretty well for me aside from besides from the weight gain uh, I, I did feel like better less zombie-ish the thing that felt better the most was I was less impulsive so if I had a bad day the first thought wasn't to go cut myself for relief and that was huge like I felt like wow that alone that's life-changing 
But so I'm three months in on this new medication because they, you know, they make you wait the two to three months or whatever the trial is because it could take longer in some people for the effects to take place where you actually feel better. So I gave it the benefit of the doubt and it was working. Um, So I, I stuck with it. And I happened to run out of my prescription on a Saturday. So I called the doctor and I, they've got the, you know, the 24 hour answering service. So I let her know that I was out of my prescription. It was probably like eight in the morning. It was pretty early. They had plenty of time to call it into my pharmacy. They're open like all day that day. Um, And she's like, well, you're going to need to make an appointment for a refill. The doctor will need to see you. And I was like, but it's Saturday and I have no more Prozac. And like, I didn't know what was going to happen because I was told when I got this prescription, if you're going to stop taking it, it's very dangerous to just stop taking it. We need to like wean you off of this drug. Yeah. So I'm getting anxiety about that. The anxiety is like full force kicked in. I'm not feeling like myself because the Prozac is like not the same amount in my system as the hours are going on through the day. So fast forward to like two o'clock in the afternoon, I <laughs> I am like full blown crazy, like not even my own crazy. Like before Prozac, I was just depressed and a little suicidal. Big deal. I was a little sad. <laughs> I wasn't deal. angry, but without the Prozac, with it starting to wear <laughs> off, I was like belligerently angry. Well, okay. at everything. So I I work in mental health and I I have dealt with clients that um have both been need to have had to been weaned off medications as well as that have ran out of medications and haven't been, you know, able to wean off. Um, so what can happen is you can have episodes and episodes look different to whatever that, uh, medication is. If it's a psychotic medication, you could possibly have a psychotic episode. If it's a depressed antidepressant, you could have severe, um, depressive episode where maybe you become suicidal but some other stuff that um i don't know and correct me if i'm wrong if you experience this but i know people who have been who've had to uh, who have ran out of medication um you have neurological pain which can happen in the body as well as the brain where you get shooting pinging sharp pains in uh, various places in your body as well as your brain. I've had that my whole life, but I have like an underlying medical condition, but I, it probably was heightened at the time. I, I'm sure it was. I just couldn't focus on anything but my emotions as the hours crept by. Um, so <laughs> we, uh, we got to the point where I was self-harming now because I felt like there was no escape. And part of the reason why I used to self-harm was before because of that instant relief Once you cut, you're letting that, like, people say, oh, I feel like my blood is boiling. Well, yeah, you just let a little bit out and, you know, you'll get that release. Not not that that's the answer. Don't do that. No, so I've actually, I've dealt with, I've dealt with um, boys and, because I used to work with teenagers, I've dealt with boys and young teenage girls that were cutters. Primarily girls. I don't know why. That's a trend. But what I've found out is that um people cut because it's that feeling that pain is a relief and it's a release and it's easier to feel that pain when once you cut 
um, than it is to actually deal with whatever is going on internally, whether it's emotionally or whether maybe it's your blood's boiling. Yeah, I think it was more the distraction thing. I, I really would do anything to distract myself, and it got to a point where I had tried all the other, like, go outside, go exercise, do some yoga, talk to people, find people with similar interests. Like, I had done it all. I had, I had tried all the doctor's advice for, like, this is how you feel better. Do these things. Didn't work. Um, so, yeah. I'm, like, in the bathroom. I've got the door locked. I was living with my boyfriend at the time, and he wasn't helping he was he was got like a mental illness or something too and he was drinking so it was just like i had someone on the outside of this bathroom door like screaming what the fuck's going on in there what's wrong oh she's gonna kill herself like you know doing the whole freaking drama scene and i wasn't i don't think i was being dramatic i was keeping to myself in the bathroom so i mean like I, I i don't know i didn't need the show you know he was opening the door yelling to the neighborhood oh she's gonna kill herself in here just escalating things we pour a little uh, gasoline on that fire yeah that's just that yeah come on so i'm like you know i'm 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 right-handed but when I would get real upset, I would cut with my left hand because there was less control and, like, things could really go wrong. You know, you can see how crazy I am. It's also the stranger. <laughs> but, yeah, it, that's where I'm leading up with this is that was very rare for me to do. I don't even – I can't even recall a time that I used a different hand in the past. Like, I, I can't even see those scars that I used with my left hand now, whereas, like, all the years you can still see the ones from my right hand uh, on my left arm. But – so I'm sitting in the bathroom. It's just, you know, box cutter. Things are going pretty smoothly. And there is blood everywhere. Like, like it literally looks like a murder scene. There's, like, splatter everywhere. I don't feel like myself. I'm, like, feel like I'm literally losing my mind and that it's not me feeling this way. That those aren't even my emotions. Next thing I know, I feel like this, like, the lights are on. There's no windows in there, but it's a bright light. Next thing I know, I feel this, like, hovering shadow over the right side of me. Like, over my right shoulder, you know? Like, towards the ceiling. And, like, this voice came into my head. And I don't hear voices. Kristen. And it was, it was like, just kill yourself. Do it. Kill yourself. Kill yourself. Kill yourself. And it was, like, a male's voice. Like, a male entity. And it wasn't, it wasn't the guy I was living with. Trust me. Bill Gates. This was, like... A voice that was in my head but not my own that was like creeping in that had access that shouldn't usually have access you know it and I and that made me feel crazy too but once I felt that energy and I heard that I was that's when instantly it kicked in and I was like this isn't even me this these aren't my emotions and I just stopped and that was actually the last time I self-term and that was maybe like Five months before finding or making it to ayahuasca. Yeah, that was that was quite a while ago, wasn't it? That that incident was quite a while ago. You were that was it was a few years back. It's probably like June of 2019. Yeah, you were on Prozac. Yep. Okay, so do you think it was? You think it was the Prozac? Yeah, I've never felt like I was suicidal for many years, like 15 plus years of suicidalness, and I never felt. The way I did when I came off of Prozac. And You're good now, though, right? Yeah, I'm good now. Like, if okay. I didn't find ayahuasca, I wouldn't be on Earth anymore. Because right. ayahuasca was my last hope. Yeah, so so tell us a little bit about that. Now, yeah. now uh, 
Okay, so I uh, I remember the first time that I was introduced to any type of thing like that through <laughs> a movie. No, through a movie. Oh, not doing. No, no, okay. no, not doing. No, I've never done ayahuasca. But, he will. But there was a movie years ago, and, and a lot of the old timers uh, probably would remember this, but it, uh, Bill Hurt was in it, and it was called Altered States. And it was about a doctor or a scientist that heard about what I'm assuming probably was ayahuasca, right? Had gone to South America, uh, maybe into the Amazon or something like that, had met up with this tribe. And he was, I don't know if he was doing uh, a paper on possible uh, cures for things or if he was working for a pharmaceutical or something. It's been a long time since I've seen the movie. But... uh, they brought him into a cave like a shaman was there and they put him through this whole ceremony and he drank this tea. Now, <laughs> now, and then it, then it just went into this crazy montage of what he was seeing and what he was going through. And it like totally opened his mind. Right. Because mm-hmm. I think that's the whole thing with psychedelics is, is that it opens your mind up uh, to see things that you're, that your normal mind is not allowing you to see. So I th- I think, right, and there's a couple of different theories on this, that <clears throat> that psychedelics actually open your mind up, the part of your mind that you don't naturally use, right? Because I think right now we're just all a bunch of drones. Like we know we got to get up, we got to, you know, get the kids ready for school or whatever the deal is. I agree with that. Well, hold on. We're programmed. And then, I agree yeah, with we're that pro- so Yeah, so we're programmed to do our routine, right? And, and all we see in front of us is getting in the car, going to work, being in traffic, going to the store, you know, watching TV, doing this, doing that. Like, it is, it is just so meaningless. Like, like everybody's life is really pointless when you really think mm-hmm. about it because you're working to pay That's for shit. That's kind of true. I agree Yeah, that. yeah. So you're working to pay for shit that you really don't need or whatever. Right. And, and, and if you just, if more people could experience psychedelics, maybe, you know, kind of like, like on a lower, on a lower uh, micro dose, micro dosing or whatever. I think that would, re- especially nowadays when everybody is so whacked out, right? Right. So, so uh, it, it, maybe it can ground people, bring them down to where Hard they want to be. Yeah, like to re- reset your mind. Mm. Uh, so tell us, Kristen, about how you uh, how you discovered this or how, how well you decided that it was something you were going to try and kind of just walk us through the process well, a little oh, bit. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Ron, he always rolls his eyes because I always I have stuff to add. Okay. The male nurse. I yep. was also on other prescriptions as well. Diazepam. I had gotten di- diagnosed with narcolepsy, so I was on armodafinil, which, you know, everything causes side effects. But there were stimulants in the mix, uppers, downers, antidepressants. I think, is Prozac like a psychoactive or no? Prozac well, yeah, is, is, isn't it? I don't know what it's really classified. Yeah, it's an antidepressant. As far as I know. Well... Uh, what were you going to ask them? I wasn't going to ask anything. Let's give my give my two cents to Ron. We are not all drones. Okay? No, I was talking in generalities. I know you were. And as Kristen said, it is programming. Like we like getting in getting into your car, going to work, routine, routine, routine. Yes. It's very programmed. It's a system that's been created, it's been developed over time for whatever reasons. Whatever reasons, but Keeps us busy. Keeps us, Keeps uh, us busy, but a lot of the shit that you have to realize that you are doing on a daily basis, whether it's 
it's paying bills or it's paying a parking ticket, which I just got today, or it's, uh, you know, some dickhole on Twitter or whoever is talking shit about you. Like, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter one single bit, really. It does not. Because everything's beyond you. Everything's more vast than you. Everything's more infantaneous, if that's a word, and then beyond you. So when you're uh, actually upset that your electricity bill is um, is a little is a lot higher this month, or maybe this person didn't text you back, or whatever the fuck it is, it doesn't fucking really matter in the grand scheme of things. Because eventually you're gonna die. Yeah, the electricity bill or the money you paid on that bill is not coming with you to the grave. And eventually you're gonna be, die, and whatever you believe might happen or it might not. Maybe you're reborn maybe you're not maybe your energy perspective switches to a different perspective throughout the infinite whatever bullshit but just remember that doesn't really matter i think one of the main things i learned with ayahuasca is that we all die a lot of us forget that we are going to die it is literally probably the only guarantee in life is that you're going to die so that like even though i learned it it's still pretty hard to grasp but ayahuasca definitely uh walked me through death and we'll get into that too but yeah so leading up to ayahuasca so that was my last day of prozac was like let's just say mid-june of 2019 i didn't i didn't sit with ayahuasca until november of 2019 so there's a couple months there where I don't have an antidepressant and I'm like you know what I can do it I can do it and I didn't even know that I was going to be meeting ayahuasca in November so I'm just like I'll figure it out I have diazepam which is is a was that Ativan or Valium which one is it I I don't know diazepam yeah it's a generic name for one of the two yeah um I think it's Valium but so I just started like taking a little bit more air. So that's June of 2019. Okay, so July 2019, I found my best friend dead because she got mind controlled by other mix, another mix of prescription drugs. Uh, so that was that that just added to my depression and anxiety because that was my one true friend, like my best friend for many, 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 many years, like 18 years. All right, so Kristen, if you don't mind, talk a little bit about that because there's an example, and I remember when you went through this. Uh, and it was it was very horrific for you. I, and I know that I think everybody would understand that. But I remember that she was having a lot of uh, like psychotic episodes with the meds she was on. Right. Which and didn't you see say that she was seeing shadow people and and hallucinating and stuff like that when she was on these prescribed pharmaceuticals, uh, which she in turn sadly taken her life. And I mean, if you don't mind talking about it, that's mm-hmm. cool. If you don't want it, that's cool, too. Yeah, just let me know if I get too off topic here. Um, Go for it. So, you know, that summer, me and her were so much alike. Like, our whole lives were, there are so many similarities. Uh, Both one of three children from a single mom who, uh, both of our moms were, like, a lot alike. Um, We're both the oldest of the three children. We're both creative, artistic. She was a way better artist. But, I mean, like... We had so many similarities as far as interests and personality, health, genetics even. Like we did our 23andMe together and we're like, I don't know, we must we must have been made from the same, like me and Ron made from the same planet or something, like the same stardust. Uh, just got along really well. Uh, just 
sisters more than friends, honestly. And I have a sister, and this girl was like my sister, okay? Like, more than a sister. Um, but so, summer of 2019 rolls around, we both get diagnosed with narcolepsy. She got diagnosed with it a little bit before me. So, she was on a faster pace of her medication and recovery. She just really wanted to feel better. She was tired all the time. Her She had gained a lot of weight. Her body was really heavy to carry around. It just feels like cement when you gain a bunch of unwanted or unexpected weight. And she had just like a lot more of that weight. And uh, trying to keep a job and like, uh, you know, stay stay a good as a good sister to her other siblings, blah, blah, blah. You know, keep up with life when you don't feel good. It's hard. Um, so she got started on the armodafinil which is like provigil or nuvigil it's just a stimulant that keeps you awake when you have narcolepsy you're like tired all the time it doesn't mean you're gonna fall asleep at any second it just means that you feel like you you could fall asleep at any second and you could if they gave you the chance some people do fall asleep but it's just very easy so we're both dealing with that um she got put on that medication. She also got given Adderall, which is another stimulant. I don't know why you would need to, um, especially with somebody that had history of mental illness in the family, like her mom, her siblings, herself. You don't give Adderall to somebody with mental illness is what I've heard. That's just a red flag. You just don't do it, but they gave it to her. On top of that, you get a medication called Xyrem, which is liquid roofies and they add salt to it to make it legal. So the pharmacy can sea add salt? salt. I don't know what kind of salt. Just like sodium chloride. Himalayan? <laughs> Probably the trashiest bleached salt they can find. <laughs> that goes in there. Okay. And they make it with like hate, not love. Because uh, they don't <laughs> want you to get better. And it's a liquid, like this bottle of liquid uh, roofies with salt is worth on the black market like 10 grand a bottle. So she has to physically go into a separate pharmacy every week to pick up this liquid bottle of roofies with salt, Xyrem. Um, and then you take that. So like, let's just say like a 300 man took a tablespoon of the Xyrem and he has or doesn't have narcolepsy. doesn't matter. You can, you can look up a video. Uh, he'll take the spoonful of Xyrem and he will drop to the ground within seconds because it just knocks you out so that you can get that deep sleep. Because people with narcolepsy tend to have insomnia and other sleep disorders too. Even though you're tired, you're like restless too. So it's just, it's a rough, it's a rough uh, medical condition to deal with. So as she's taking all these medications, her body's rejecting it. I'm getting like messages from her throughout the night, like every night. Because we would text all day and night. And when the medication, when she started that, she just needed somebody to talk to. I'd wake up to like some days like 30 messages uh the first couple would be like oh I just had this wild dream and it felt so real and she would be basically describing like different sleep paralysis episodes that she had or what scientists call hypnagogic hallucinations um so scientists describe the hallucinations as like that medical condition hypnagogic hallucinations spiritualists say that you're having like a spiritual awakening and that you're getting visited from other dimensional beings. So one of the two things was going on with her. Um, and then the next like 10 messages will be like, oh, my body is not working well with this medication and I just puked up a black pile. So it, it wasn't working out. So she was on this medication for like a month. It started in June and then by the end of July, we found her dead. Um, but during that month, 
I watched her health decline further and further and further. I watched her mental state uh, get lost. And I didn't know what psychosis looked like because I had never witnessed somebody go through that. But basically, she would talk about reptilians. She would talk about time traveling, uh, portal jumping, um, all these places that she would visit, basically, when she was on this med- these medications. Um, so as a good friend, I just I took it all in. I accepted what she was saying to be true because she did experience these things. I had no doubt about that whether it was the medication making her hallucinate or whether she was having a spiritual awakening. Don't know. Uh, I believe both. So, but bottom line is she was prescribed all these different meds uh, for her anxieties or depressions or whatever. And they're prescribing her meds that don't go well together. And again, this brings us back to the whole thing. Like these doctors, like, like, I don't think they care. They just are concerned with getting paid. Like, I don't think they really care if they're helping people. I mean, I'm sure there's doctors that do. I'm not saying all doctors are the same. However, they're giving her these medications that are not helping her. They're actually making her worse. And in fact, it made her it made her so bad that she ended up taking her life, right? Yeah. So so did you, uh, and, this is, and this is why, you know, I don't understand that, like, if doctors could say, well, you know what, maybe you should try this. Or maybe you should try that, you know, uh, meaning some type of psychedelic, you know, and I know they can't say anything, anything, uh, you know, that's illegal. I mean, I remember when my dog was going through cancer and we asked him about CBD and he said, well, legally, I can't tell you anything about that. But then off the record, he's like, yeah, you should try CBD to probably help him. <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah. So just a sad event in your life. I remember. Uh, well, I remember how it affected you so, and stuff like that. So sometimes. uh <clears throat> When, when a doctor prescribes a medication, right, and then you take that medication, um, if it's a long-term medication, and you start having a symptom of that medication, then they'll prescribe another medication for the symptom that to you're inter- having to, to counteract based it. off of the first medication. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what they did, but I mean, like I said, she was going in every week for that Zyrum because it's such a high-ticket item. So they could see the blackness, not only in her pupil, but the bags under her eyes that were getting darker and darker and darker. Not only that, her whole, like, body was shaking at all at all times towards the end because her body was just, like... Well, she probably had a, some, a lot of sleep deprivation, too, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, which is another stimulus. killer right there. Oh, yeah. sleep. Oof. If you're not sleeping, you're gonna go into like a psychosis for real for sure yeah uh, towards the end she that's why that's why i bring it up is because we're talking about psychedelics and mind control even though she wasn't prescribed psychedelics and i wasn't prescribed psychedelics when that prozac was telling me to kill myself she was also taking these other mix of medications and she was on a mission she she didn't even want to kill herself her mission she told me before she did it like a week before that she was just going to try to do something for the greater good and that she basically said if i um i'm gonna try to do something and it's gonna help a lot of people i might just fuck myself and die trying to do good but if i die don't do drugs don't kill yourself just be happy and know that i'm here waiting for you uh so not only before her medications she was very gifted she would have uh like um 
spiritual insight, like almost like remote viewing when she would sleep and she would see people like sex slaves or child trafficked, uh, you know, slave workers in different parts of the world or a plane that was about to crash. And then sure enough, you'd wake, she'd wake up the next day and she'd see that on the news. So precognitive kind of. Yeah. yeah. Premonitional types of dreams. Um, so yeah, uh, she was going through that. That's why I did my best to believe her. And, you know, it, it's sad that her life was taken, but her last day here, she was very scared and she was on a mission. Like she, I, I got the vibe that somebody was chasing her or some things that she was seeing that we couldn't see was chasing her. So she was under a mind control. Uh, but yeah, so at that point, we're now looking at like end of July, August, and I'm at work and I'm taking like, like my whole week supply of anxiety meds in a day. And calling at the end of the day to the doctor, like, begging for more anxiety meds so that I can take them all the next day. And they're just... It's the same doctor, by the way, that prescribed all those drugs to my friend. I gave her that doctor's name. So she's just handing me meds, even though they weren't working out for me. And she must have known why I was taking them, because I had more anxiety and wanted to feel less. um, And no one to talk to. So things are just like spiraling and spiraling. Um, I'm like sitting there in front of Netflix one night and this documentary popped up called The Last Shaman. And it's basically about a guy from Vermont. He was like in his late 20s as well. His father, I I think just his father, but maybe his mom too. They're both medical, like high up medical professionals in Boston, like at major hospitals. And he had the same story, basically. Like, he had spent his whole life, he just wanted to feel better, and he couldn't understand the root cause of his depression. Um, So he traveled to the jungle, his parents supported him, and he found ayahuasca, and it seemed to help him. So I saw that documentary, I really related to it, and I was like, you know what? I can't go to the jungle, which I don't want to go, because I don't like spiders. But... Was she made clear using the bathroom at the haunted garage tonight? There are some haunted ghost spiders. You can't see them, but you can feel them looking at you and like just like looking when to jump down, you know? Like they probably are water breathers. All right, so too. so you saw this movie on Netflix uh, called The Last Shaman. Yep. And so so you watched it and this is what you got your idea that maybe ayahuasca might be something you would like to try. Yep. Um, and I, my other friend had passed away and I met his mother at a funeral, at the funeral and she was embarking on her journey. She's like, Hey, I, you know, I, I, I probably should have said this in the beginning. Um, back in like 2015 or so, I became like a certified on paper shaman. So I'm a like multidimensional Shambhala energy healer. Um, but I couldn't heal myself. So I had been seeking out other healers and that was working here and there, but it wasn't solving my root cause of depression because I didn't know what the root cause was. Was it lack of love from a childhood? Was it anxiety? Was it, I don't know. I don't know what it was that was causing me to feel so low for so long. Um, so yeah, I, I checked in with my friends my friend Alec who had passed away I checked in with his mom and I was like hey did you ever go to the jungle and become a shaman and are you serving ayahuasca yet and she said yeah I am um you know you can you're more than welcome to come anytime you you and my son were such good friends you don't have to worry about paying for the medicine and financial like it was really hard financially so that was a huge relief to be like okay I just have to worry about the plane ticket 
Um, plane tickets were kind of expensive because I was pretty desperate at that time. We're talking, it, I think it was like maybe September or October, so like a month or two after I had found my friend. And I now, are you like, talking of 2019? Yeah, 2019. So just before uh, Corona. Yeah, just before COVID. Yeah. Um, so she ends up she's she's like pretty well off so she buys my plane ticket for me just to make my trip that much easier she's like all you gotta do is get on that plane and i will pick you up and we will make you feel better okay great easy right should be easy whoa i have anxiety about planes and i have anxiety about leaving home and about traveling and about like not sleeping in my bed or being away from my cat all these things are piling on right and i'm like oh what if ayahuasca kills me what if i'm going here to not want to die and then i die you know like so all these things are racing through my head um anyways it's like that week that i'm leaving to go to florida to go do ayahuasca and I had done everything I needed to do to prepare for the diet because um, I, I had like a month's notice and um, I'm driving. It's like four in the morning. I'm getting that like 6 a.m. flight in, out of Manchester or I'm sorry. Yeah, you could say that. Okay. Yeah. It could I be. think everybody knows we're in New Hampshire. We are in an undisclosed <laughs> it could location have been Vermont. <laughs> in um, New England. Uh, it could be New Hampshire or Vermont, so we'll narrow that down yes, for you guys. Yes, it's in Vermont. Did you know that every state in the Union has a Manchester? Well, it could be really? in any state yeah. in the Union, so don't it's like listen Manchester, to these guys. Doesn't matter, Kristen. Continue, please. Um, Continue. Yeah. So you know, it's it's uh, of course it's a stormy day. Uh, the it's windy out. There's lightning. It's four in the morning. It's dark. Um, the streetlights are going out above me. I have so much anxiety. I'm like puking out the car window driving to the airport. And of course, I didn't make it to the airport. Made it all the way to the same city and turned around and went home because I couldn't get on the plane. But, you know, I get back home. It's like five in the morning. I sent her a text message and I'm like, hey, don't bother going to the airport. Sorry, I wasted your money. Like, you I, ghosted her? Thanks for paying for my plane ticket. I really appreciate it, but I couldn't get on the plane. Yep. Felt like a piece of trash. It's like a romantic movie, but the yeah. opposite turnout. I right? felt so when the, bad. When the guy's like waiting at the air, uh, the you know, air terminal for her. What so, a big yeah. sign. But then she doesn't show up. Right. So she wakes up. You know, she's not awake at that point. And then she wakes up to me like, I'm, I'm texting her as I'm puking in the car. Like, oh, I'm on my way, but I don't know if I can make it. And then the next couple text messages are like, I think I'm turning around. Oh, no, I'm back home now. Sorry. You know? So she wakes up to this mess and she's like, what the heck? You know, I, all you can do is try to help somebody. And she didn't make me feel like garbage for it. I was more disappointed in myself than she was probably. Um, so fast forward till like November, we're going to try it again. She paid for, I think, like half of my plane ticket. I think she was probably pushing me like, hey, if Kristen spends money out of her own pocket, she's going to get on this plane this time. I think that helped. So I'm driving myself to the airport. It's still like an early morning, no rain, no wind, no lightning, no streetlights going out. So that's good, right? I'm on the highway. I made it to the city where the airport is and my back door of my car just flings open on the highway. And I'm like, that's got to be a sign that I've got to turn around. You know, I'm like, I'm freaking out again. My anxiety starts to kick in then. I made it the whole hour fine, you know, and then... I, I made it to the airport parking lot. I give her a call and I'm like, I don't think I can get on the plane. I can't go in the airport. And she's like, 
I don't care what you have to do, but you're getting on that fucking plane. She's like, if you need to take your anxiety meds that I had to like cut back on for a month prior to ceremony because it fights the ayahuasca, it kind of blocks the medicine. Um, she's like, if you need to take those anxiety meds, just do it, get on the plane and we'll figure it out when you get here. So I'm like, okay, mom's pissed. I gotta, I gotta get on this plane. (laughs) So I take a handful of anxiety meds. Um, I met up with this girl that was also traveling from New Hampshire, you know, from the area to go to Florida. Okay. We're in New Hampshire. I'm sorry. We're in New Hampshire. I ruined it. Um, we're in Rhode Island, but New Hampshire is such a giant place that you will never guess where we are. Um, (laughs) and it's all haunted. So good luck. Um, New England is just the whole region is haunted. So I'm on the plane. The girl that I met, she hands me a Xanax. Cool. That'll go good with the diazepam, right? So I don't even... <laughs> I'd never taken Xanax before, and I honestly I had minimal anxiety at that point from the handful I took. But I took it anyway. I'm, like, blacking out on the plane. We made it to Florida. Um, we get there, and then... The point is, is I couldn't make it there without anxiety meds, right? Um, basically, I have my first ceremony. It is a three-night ceremony, so you're there for four days, but you're drinking medicine each night for three nights in a row, and and you really can't back out of it. I mean, you're not forced to drink the medicine, but uh, you can't get the full effect if you just try it once. Okay, hold up, Kristen. Now, when you say the medicine, the ayahuasca, you're talking the ayahuasca. Tea, okay, the gritty, sludgy. Feels like there's dirt at the bottom because there probably is the full <laughs> sludge, like car oil from a haunted garage. How yeah. do you know it's like authentic ayahuasca? You can't trust everybody that says they have ayahuasca. Um, you just have to make sure for me that I, luckily I trusted this lady with my life and I wouldn't have gone there if I didn't. But I know there's some sketchy people out there, and even the sketchy ones, it's probably ayahuasca, but are you going to be in a loving setting that is there to help you grow and to help you get through your journey, or are you in a setting where people just really only care about making 500 bucks or whatever they're charging for the ceremony? Chances are you're in like a crappy place where they're all about the money and they're not about your healing. Uh, Luckily, I knew this woman was just completely all for my healing. Um, so I didn't have to worry about the medicine not being authentic. Luckily, it wasn't even an anxiety that popped up once. Because that's one of my biggest hesitancies of like possibly maybe doing ayahuasca is that like, how the, how the hell do I know that it's authentic? Because you take a look at a lot of drugs that come from other countries into the U.S. and they're cut or they're not authentic or they're... They're mixed with this fentanyl, uh, you know, meth. Uh, uh, yeah, because you could laxatives. have been, yeah, you, know, you could go someplace. Not from personal I- experience. That's all research. An, an ayahuasca thing, and and basically you're just drinking tea where somebody puts some LSD in it, right? Right. All right. That's what yeah, I'm no, saying. No, exactly. Yeah, but but or I think, mushrooms. Right, but I think I think Kristen had established a relationship with this lady, so I think it was pretty safe. So so you started drinking the tea, and you have to take it in several doses. Yeah, so uh, whether it's your first time or not, they pretty much start you off uh, at a standard ceremony with like a table. I don't know how they do it in the jungle. I'm sure it's way more intense. Um, But (laughs) you get started off with, let's say, a tablespoon. Um, And I I think a normal dose for 
an evening of ceremony is probably, you know, for the average person, maybe like three tablespoons. Um, so they start you off with one just to make sure because they don't know, are you lying about any medication that you're on? Are you lying about any mental illness? Is there something that the doctors haven't found or that you don't know about that lies within yourself? Uh, so it's safer for the shaman, for the facilitators, um, and yourself and everybody else there trying to heal to just start off with the one tablespoon to see how your body reacts, how everything works together. Um, so I took that tablespoon, um, pretty much no matter what, whether you follow the diet or not, you're going to purge. And by purge, it could be like poop your pants, poop your pants, um, you could like just violently throw up, but it's a different kind of like puking feeling. It's not a, I don't know. It's, it almost feels good in a way because you're, you know, you're releasing like whether it be negative energy or like old built up prescriptions or like somebody's bad thoughts of you. It's like a detox. Yeah. When you're purging, you're purging like it could be a physical detox or an emotional detox. It's like you're getting right. rid of all the bad shit that's yeah. inside of you. Low vibes. Yeah. You know, Kristen, now, do you out. have to fast before you do the ceremony? You stop eating um, around like 2 p.m. that day because you can't have any like solids because it just when they're cleaning those purge buckets every time you like throw up into your bucket everyone has their own white dollar store trash bathroom trash can bucket you know um and that's your bucket for the night but the facilitators and the shaman they just want to see your purge they don't want to be burdened by like oh, what's that chunk? Is that like a skin tissue or is that just like a sandwich from earlier, you know? So, and and when you're purging, you don't know how it's going to go. So you don't want any blockages because you could choke and die. You know, that's one of the ways you could die with ayahuasca is if you secretly go in your room and you eat a bag of peanuts because you're probably going to choke on them when you're throwing up, you know, (laughs) like, uh, I don't know, but that sounds kind of terrifying. Yeah, and I, there, there's been a time where I snuck some, uh, you know, the fried apple crisp chips. I'm like, oh, I can have apple. apple you took you know, those fried, into an... Fried fruit, that's fine. You know, I think it would make sense you that if you... those in? Yeah, on my wow. like, 20th Wow, what a rebel. I think it would make sense if you fasted because it would allow the tea to get into your system quicker, right? Yeah, and you yeah. don't want the medicine to be fighting with processed foods or medications. You just want it to hit your DNA and your gut and your body and your mind and your soul and your spirit, everything. You just want it to hit and be able to work on you as a whole and not all the garbage that we put in our bodies. So what did you, you've taken the ayahuasca, you've, you're purging. Yeah, what, so. what uh, if you if you don't mind sharing, what did you kind of feel? What, 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 uh. What did you realize? What did uh, you come to conclusion to? Yeah, is it a creeper? Does it hit you hard? I mean, give us the experience. Like, what, did you and, and see I know... crazy shit? Did you feel crazy shit? Did you come to like terms with things? What happened? Like, well, is your it, experience isn't Boom. every isn't every experience different too based on your state of mind as you go into that? Oh, I'm sure. I yeah. mean, a lot yeah. of hallucinogenics. That's yeah. a huge influence. I don't know personally, but a lot of hallucinogenics are based. You know, the the experience you have is based on your environment as well as the state of mind that you're in. Yeah. And your intention, what you expect, what you're like begging for, whether you're open to just receiving everything and free or whatnot, whether you got fears, it's just like everything ties in. Um, so for me, like I said, I had a lot of anxiety. I just taken like a bunch of anxiety meds, the Xan, like um, my body is pretty well 
trying to block the medicine. Um, so I take that tablespoon. I well, first of all, you're you're sitting in a dark room. Everybody has their own mat that they're laying on. You get given like um, eye mat, like a blindfold mask, if you want to, to block out any like of the the outside lights. And to not have to really see anybody walking by if they were to happen to like grab your purge bucket or whatnot. So you're just laying there on your mat. You're by yourself. You've got your blanket, your bottle of water, everything you really need. Um, so I felt pretty comfortable like drinking the medicine. It didn't taste that bad. It honestly, the first time I drank it was probably the best tasting it ever was. Because you're not, yeah, it, the more you drink it, the more you're like, oh, no, you, you just like dread it. It kind of tasted like sweet, like molasses, but then it tastes like you're drinking like car oil and dirt. Yeah, earthy and uh, it's it's hard to keep have. down. So then you gotta like swish it with swish the bottom of the cup with water. Make sure you're getting all the grit, and then just like try to plug your <laughs> nose and swallow it like the worst shot of Zenka you've ever had in your life. Basically, what kind of like epiphanies did you have? Um, so when it started to kick in. Um, there was a lot of darkness, not only around me, but in my mental state. Obviously, a lot of uh, deep-rooted self-hatred, um, a lot of regret for the way my friend disappeared for three days and then having to find her dead, things I could have done differently uh, the past 18 years of knowing her. Like, honestly, it showed me the day I met her. Like, the day I met her just flashed into my head. I remember I was able to be seen, shown uh, the, like, the clothing she was wearing when I met her when I was 11 years old on her first day of school in New Hampshire from California. Like, I remembered the classroom that she walked into, just everything. Like, I got to see her as beautiful and as glowing and as, like, free-weighted as she was and healthy. Like, she just how I remembered her most. Um... So it was cool to see that, but before I got to see that, I had to be taken, basically put into her shoes, and ayahuasca kept bringing me, like, she died in the forest, so ayahuasca brought me to the forest the night of her, like I said, she was missing for three days, so ayahuasca brought me to the forest of the first night she went missing, and it put me in her shoes, so basically I'm living through her, you know, through her through ayahuasca and i'm sitting in the woods in the dark and it's so bright because of the moon it was a full moon uh when she passed away it was a lion's gate portal actually it was pretty like prolific um but so i'm sitting there like at that the tree that she passed away in front of and my mind kept like everything in me kept fighting it and i was like i don't want to see this i don't need to see this why would i need to see this so i kept trying to like it was almost like astral projection in a way. Like I kept trying to just take my mind out of there, but my body still remained in her shoes. So every time I would come back to the room that I was like actually laying in on my mat, ayahuasca would bring my mind back to the woods and slam me on the ground harder each time. Deal with it. Yeah. It was like, you know, you have to, you have to. So I was like, okay, don't fight the medicine, surrender. That's like rule number one after the diet, follow the diet. Um, surrender so i'm like trying my best to surrender meanwhile feeling like i have no control over my body in a way um but yeah i basically had to sit through all that sadness that she had to sit through and uh part of purging you could shake you can laugh you can cry you can sweat you can 
convulse so i just start crying Mm. like like the hardest i have ever cried and ceremony lasts anywhere from i'd say like maybe like six to ten hours i cried for eight hours straight like my blanket was soaked my bed was soaked my eye mask was soaked everything was just soaked that's a that's a that's a heavy release yeah, it was. I, I mean, didn't cry, realize If you at have the a time. hard cry, not for eight hours, but just, you know, let alone just yeah. like something that's upsetting you, that's in itself, that release can sometimes be very therapeutic and, uh, you know, kind of revive a, re- a hard reset. But I can only imagine if you're crying for eight hours straight. Yeah. And honestly, I, like I was embarrassed and I felt bad for everybody else that was there trying to ceremony because they had to listen to me cry like a little baby for that long um but once i got over that i was like you know what i have to listen to these people puking and like running to the bathroom and flushing the toilet every two seconds so why can't they listen to me cry you know once you start to like accept that you have needs too as a human like it's okay (laughs) to let your purge out um you just you just you have no choice really on top of having. so how did it change you i guess afterwards so that was my first night um and i felt like coming i woke up the next i came out of it and i still felt sad i still felt like why you know what the why did that what did that even give me aside from being able to see her the day i met her is she like does she look like that now wherever she is like because if so great that's that's cool but why did i have to like sit in her shoes when i already had to deal with my own grief and sadness from the whole thing but whatever it it would just help me better understand what she was actually going through because i like i said i didn't recognize psychosis and i was able to see more clearly what psychosis actually felt like it felt like a lot like suicidal depression um so the next day i wake up i forgot to mention the day i found her dead the day after i woke up and i couldn't move my right arm so from july of 2019 to november of 2019 i could not move my right arm just from the trauma and the sadness um so we get through that first night of ayahuasca i wake up the next day and i had gone through physical therapy and like uh prescription topical creams and all this stuff to try to fix my shoulder that they couldn't see what was wrong with it through x-rays or anything there was nothing wrong with it so i wake up the next day after ayahuasca and i go downstairs to have some coffee and like the girl the people that were ceremonying you know it's morning time and everyone's kind of sharing their experience they're like you look taller you look different and I'm like, I feel different. Like, I, I felt better. Like, I felt that emotional release. And I, I I remember the first thing, like, when I woke up and I was, like, taking a shower, I was like, wow, I can I can move my arm, like, all over. There was no limit oh. in the motion. So, well, so, like, releases like that, like, emotional releases. Yeah. Or any, like, significant uh, revelation, I guess, or something you come to terms with, from my own experience it has an effect on your body because it almost like it's decompressing you. And like, people don't realize that like people that have trauma, people that have serious mental illnesses or things that they're dealing, struggling with on a daily basis, like that emotional process converts into your body and it does affect your body. And when you have a significant breakthrough where you come to terms with that, it, it will physically change you. Right. Your posture. Right, exactly. Your head the 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 way your head is 
pointing when you're looking or when you're walking, all this stuff. Right. So my experience is, and I know this is, this is true, is if you're feeling down or you're getting uh, overwhelmed and you have a lot of things hitting you in every different direction, which is what I've had for the last few weeks. Well, it's pretty actually pretty constant in my life. I always say I live my life from one dilemma to the next, you know, or one other people. And it's always other people's drama. Like like I could go through my life and not have any drama at all. I don't really like drama. I don't like to deal with drama. I don't want to be around drama. I don't want to be around negativity, but I always get stuck dealing with other, but you know, everybody else's drama, right? So, okay, just give you an example, Buckley, of exactly what you were just talking about, how the release will make you feel better, right? Like or change you, also your like body. Too. Yeah. So, so you can be like how it looks over overwhelmed, just, you know, say depressed, uh, having anxieties and this and that. And then all of a sudden you're getting all these aches and pains. Oh my God, my body doesn't want to work. My shoulder hurts. My hip hurts. You know, I'm an older guy, so I expect to hurt. But, you know, lately, the last few weeks, I mean, like, I ain't even move when I get up in the morning, right? Well, you remember last week when we did the show and I said that I was in a foul mood and I just needed to rant. Yeah. And, and I listened to the show the other day and it was a pretty good rant. I got to say, <laughs> yeah. it was a pretty good rant. But you know what? I And I meant to text you and tell you this. The next morning when I woke up, Felt, felt better. I felt a lot better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, mentally oh, yeah. and physically, it was like, man, I guess I really needed to get that off my chest. No, it really does. It like. Well, people vent to me all the time. Yeah, yeah right. And, and I never have a chance to vent to anybody. Right. You know, and, and then it's like, you know, so I, so like on the show, like this is our avenue, our venue to vent, like when I'm in a bad. And sometimes after when we do a, a, a rant episode, like I feel bad because I know I go off and I say things that I probably shouldn't say or whatever. But I think sometimes that's more therapeutic than anything. No, because 100%. The, yeah, because the next day, I mean, I woke up and I was in a totally different mindset. So if you if you cry, if you have a hard cry, it, it it'll change you. It'll change your mood. It'll change your body. It'll change your mindset. If you if you vent, um, it'll also do have the same effect. It'll change your mind, your mood set. Um, but also. If you're venting onto somebody else, and I know this because I work with a, a, a lot of, I've worked and I work with a lot of therapists, clinicians. If you're venting onto somebody else, you can kind of transfer that energy onto the other person. So like if I was, if I came and I was talking to Ron and I was having a shitty fucking day, excuse my language, and I decided to unload on Ron, <laughs> if, if I decide to unload on Ron, and um, or it's just venting and going off, then he could actually be pretty affected from me, you know, transferring this energy onto him and venting. And then once we're done, he will have that kind of um, compression on him. And then it's going to affect him a little bit until he pulls out of it. But And that's why, like, when you're in a bad mood and you need to rant, you need to vent, don't do it targeting somebody don't do it targeting an individual like say hey we all have those people that are around us that just kind of get on our nerves <laughs> right and, and and i mean and i have people around me like 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 the people i hang out with they don't really get on my nerves like at all you know and i mean i'm pretty selective about who i hang out with but you know let's just say i might have a customer that every time they come here it's freaking drama it's like it's such an easy process. I'm going to walk you through it. Why are you making it so difficult? And I want to flip out at them, but 
I am aware that if you flip out on somebody, you know, they may not realize that they're doing things the way they're doing it. It might just be their personality. One thing I never like to do is make somebody feel bad. I've always been that way. I mean, I mean, you know, I have a family member that I really want to vent on and just really jump on his shit. But I look at the other side of the coin as I know what he's going through as well. Let's not make it any worse. So so what you're talking about, Buckley, is like is somebody ranting, getting out all their negativity, but me as the listener absorbing that negativity. Yes. Right. And, and I don't want to do that. I can't do that. So I'll just I'll just say, okay, I'm gonna let you vent or whatever, uh, but I'm not gonna take it personally. Right. And no, I'll let no. and I'll let people vent. But it's pretty hard not to take some things personal when they're actually directed at you. Yeah, you know, even my wife, like say I say I'm home and I get upset or I'm upset about something or something stupid pisses me off. And it happens like if I'm you know, if I've had a day where, you know, a lot of things are getting on my nerves and you know, things just aren't coming together and I'll go home. Like the slightest little thing will set me off. Like, like if I turn off the kitchen sink and it drips, I'll flip out and I'll start swearing or whatever. Or if I drop something, which is my fault, or or if uh, you know, just anything, just just pick pick something, right? right? Or the TV doesn't want to connect to the internet, and then I'll go off. Well, my wife takes that, yeah, and, and she'll say, and she'll say, "Well, I was in a good mood," and I'm right. like, and I'm like, "Well, okay, this wasn't directed at you." Like, I never want to make my wife feel bad. I never argue with my wife. I never, never, ever berate her, like, ever. Mm-hmm. And, and because I just, I wouldn't, you're my wife. Like, you know, you're, you're my mate. I'm not going to do anything to make you feel bad. But me acting that way, even though it's not directed at anybody, gets absorbed by other people. No, and those 100%. other people take it in and they take it personal, even though it's not a personal attack. So, so yeah, so, so, so venting is a good thing, but you have to be careful of how you're venting and who's listening to you and who you're directing your vent towards. Yeah. It's just a good example of like cause and effect. Like you, like people don't always realize this, but I do this all the fucking time. You probably do it. You probably do it. Like your actions, what you do on a daily basis, like whether it's positive, whether it's negative, whether it's terrible, whether it's great, like it's affecting somebody generally in every scenario. And that's something like people don't understand. Like lots of times you're always focused on the other person, like whether it's a friend, whether it's in a relationship and you're kind of looking at them like, well, they're doing this while they're doing that while they're doing this. But like, you're not looking at yourself and being um, analytic of what you're doing and how that could be affecting it and why they might be doing that. Does that make sense? Oh no, it's exactly. It's just like the, like the person in my family that does things and, and, and I had to tell him, you know, you you don't think you're doing anything wrong because your brain, that's how your brain works. Mm-hmm. But if you could understand how your actions affect everybody else in this family, maybe you would think a little bit different about it. But sadly, they don't. I mean, but, I mean, but it's exactly what you're talking about. Or say you're in a restaurant. Say you're in a, in a restaurant and, I, and I've experienced this several times. And there will be a couple on the other side of the restaurant. All of a sudden, they start going at each other. Right. And then everybody in the restaurant's like, oh, boy. you And you actually, like, it makes you feel bad. Yeah. 
for whatever's going on. And it kind of embarrasses you, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, my God, now everybody in this place has got to listen to these two people going off on each other. It's like you could have went outside and done that. Now you've di- disrupted the whole aura of the whole restaurant. People come to restaurants to have a drink, to relax, have something to eat, get out of the house. And then they have to witness something like that. So it's something people really need to think before they do that. But it's it's like, I, I, I don't know. I feel like it's so hard, though, because it's easier said than done. Like, I can say all this, you know, be inter, introspective and look upon yourself and see how you're reacting or your uh, how your actions are affecting a situation. But easier said than done. Like, I could say that to anybody and I could be giving this to advice to people, then I'll go and do it a hundred thousand times over and I'll have an, uh, some effect that negative negatively affects somebody else. Like it's not, it's, it's not that easy, I guess is my point. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so that's definitely a fine line that people have to think about. So, so Kristen, after you did your first, uh, let's, what do you call them? Episodes. So my first night of ceremony, um, you know, I woke up feeling better. I was like, after I left ceremony that night, I was like, I will never drink ayahuasca again. I'm ready to go home right now. This did not help me. Um, <laughs> the next morning. I so you didn't up. have any positive reaction to this particular ceremony. The first when night. I was throwing the up first time, in yeah. my bucket, all I could see were maggots and bugs. And I don't like bugs. So obviously I wasn't puking like actual bugs. But they were such low vibrational energies that were coming out that my mind perceived them as bugs. So I'm like, I'm my face is in a bucket full of bugs. All that's happening <laughs> is I'm going back to the woods where my best friend died. I was like, what the fuck is the point? This isn't helping me. And I was like I said, ayahuasca was my last hope. So I was like, I gave up on it that quick because I was ready to give up. Um Next morning I wake up, people are like, you look brighter, you look taller, you look good. And I like these girls that just met me, you know, that I was kind of like standoffish to the night before. And I was like, that's just a New Englander in you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and luckily they were from Mass. Like two of these girls were like born and raised in Mass. So they understood like why they're like, yeah, you're People are like, you, you're why we moved to Florida. She like, she's like, they're like, oh, she must be from up north. Yeah, they, they guessed it. They're like, you're from Mass. And I was born in Mass, so they, they got it right. Um, but yeah, I woke up the next morning and I was like, you know what? I'll drink the medicine again. We'll see what tonight does. Because I had been told that no experience is, is going to be like any other experience that you've ever had or like anyone else has ever had. All right, so every experience is different, obviously, oh, yeah. right? So, so you did the second ceremony the following night. Yep. Okay. All right. So, how did that go? I was expecting like a major breakthrough because I was putting my my intention was like I'm I'm going to walk out of this weekend and I'm not going to want to kill myself anymore and I'm going to feel great and this is the the answer to everything and it's going to solve all my problems. Well. Nothing is going to do that for you. Nothing, no matter what it is. It takes work. So you can go and pay $6,000 and fly to the jungle and do ayahuasca for 30 days if you want. Party. But if you don't put those lessons into your life, you're not going to feel better. So uh, it didn't give me a lesson. I don't think I really got a lesson my first ceremony. All I got was acceptance. I had to accept how lousy my friend was feeling and I had to accept that she was in the woods alone for three days. Or maybe you had way. to accept also 
how lousy and shitty you were feeling. Yeah, and like how lousy and shitty both of us were feeling for three days separately when we could have been like together as best friends talking it out and like I yeah it's there's I I still think about it every day all day every day that's not going to change but the way it affects me has changed uh so you know night two rolls around I'm like oh boy what am I going to see tonight it can't be worse than last night that's for sure so I'm going in there with that mindset and I'm like, just please give me something better than, than last night, you know, because I felt like I suffered for eight hours because I was crying pretty hard and getting shown darkness. <laughs> um, so I, I, w- I, I thought I went through like the worst. Um, and for that weekend, that was the worst of my weekend. But uh, like I said, I've done ayahuasca probably maybe between 20 and 30 times. So I've had worse nights than that. But that was my first worst night. I got to say something about darkness. Some people are so put off and so afraid of like anything dark or anything that's bad or anything. You got to embrace it. (laughs) Your internal battle or struggle where you might be dealing with whatever and it might put you into that dark state of mind or, uh, you know, thought process. But people don't realize that like that darkness is just as important as anything that is light or good or 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 love or um bright in your life because if that darkness whatever it is didn't exist then like that light is not going to exist does that make sense you can't find the light unless you're sitting in the dark for a long time like right. You just can't. And you can't find the light uh, most times. Maybe you can, but maybe you're not truly experiencing it. If you have not either seen or accepted or or came face to face with that dark side of things. Yeah, the darker. I feel like the darker you've been through, the, the brighter the light is going to be. Um, so everybody has different levels of light. And honestly... In my belief, I believe that everything in the world and existence runs on light and frequency and vibration. Um, So we're all going to experience these things, whether they be dark or low or high or bright. Um, It's just it's just part of living in a human body or living or even being part of existence in the universe at all. Um, So, yeah, the second night came around and who knew, like I had been breathing wrong my entire life, which contributed (laughs) to my anxiety. So I'm sitting with the ayahuasca. I drink my. So the first night I probably had maybe two or three tablespoons and it was plenty more than enough. I wanted it to stop. Um, And you can't you can't make it stop. (laughs) You just got to you got to sit with it. So second night rolls around. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have like one tablespoon tonight and see how that goes. So I drink my tablespoon. Nothing's happening. I'm just laying there in the dark. And I'm like, okay, great. Nothing. How long How long has it been? Because it feels like it's been six hours. You know, I'm impatient. Um, she comes around. How are you feeling? Would you like more medicine? I'm like, yeah, please. Can I have like double the medicine because I'm not feeling anything and everyone else is journeying around me it's not called tripping out because that's disrespectful it's called journeying because you're journeying inward is that a mistake though asking for double I don't know it wasn't in my case because well she had had three doses the night before she she wouldn't give me double if she didn't think she's like okay you're really not feeling anything and I was like nothing and she's like okay fine you feel you feel okay like you feel calm relaxed you know your your body's working out you know everything's jiving and I'm like yeah everything's good 
So she comes back with like, let's just say the two tablespoons. I take those another, let's just say 30 minutes to an hour goes by. She comes back. She's like, hey, how you feeling? Probably expecting me to be feeling good or bad. One of the two, <laughs> but I'm still feeling nothing. Um, <laughs> you can't really always see Numb. what you're going through in the moment. But the next day I was able to realize a lot. So all night I kept asking her for more medicine, more medicine, more medicine. I think we got to a uh, total of like eight tablespoons, which is like unheard of. And I'm still feeling nothing. Question. (laughs) You kept asking. Same medicine as I took the night before. So I'm going to draw a comparison here. Tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, When you were talking about your uh, previous experiences with uh, pharmaceutical drugs, you Mm -hmm. talked about a lot of... um, how you'd be sitting at your desk and you'd be kind of just taking like a full bottle or your your or your week's amount of dosages like in one day. Yeah. Do you think there's any sort of comparison to like um, wanting more, wanting more ayahuasca, wanting more ayahuasca, wanting more doses and Probably. that has some relationship? Yeah, because honestly, they were both eight doses because my week supply would have been seven pills and I had the one, you know, so either way it would have been eight rounds of either medication um maybe but also ayahuasca is so intense that if i was feeling something i definitely would have like if i were i I guess i was expecting to have visuals and not every ayahuasca journey is going to give you visual visuals yeah Uh, the shamans from the jungle they actually they most highly respect the journey where you see nothing and your journey is truly in your mind and inward and self-reflection. Like emotions? Um, just uh, an- like a meditation almost. Like analyzing, watching, and not reacting to your brain and your thoughts. So that's basically what my night was. I was just expecting was you, Kristen, visuals. was you, I'm sorry to interrupt, was yes. you fighting it the second night? Maybe. I was pretty scared because it's one of those night. things. Like if any any type yeah. of uh, psychedelic or any type of hallucinogen, you can't fight it. You just gotta let it flow. And I discovered that with my use of mushrooms, which <gasps> was, very similar. Which drugs was are bad. something I really Dare. mushrooms are not bad. Dare to mm. stay off drugs. Yeah, I can't do mushrooms. See, I don't <laughs> consider them. I don't consider them a drug. Come on, they they grow on trees out in your backyard. All right, so so right, so you had the first night was experience was uh, pretty interesting for you. Yeah. The second night, not so much. Yeah. Right? Long story short, I didn't realize it at the time, but at by the end of the night, I'm sitting there doing yoga, which I don't know how to do yoga. I'm laying there on my stretching. mat, stretching and posing and moving energy and like. I didn't realize I was moving energy and like working through energy, but I was. Um, and I was it. The one thing I took away from that was ayahuasca showed me how to breathe. So my whole life I had been breathing like I still have to think about it. When you breathe in, your stomach should be going outwards. Your stomach should expand and you should fill your stomach with air when you're breathing in. Your diaphragm. Yeah, your diaphragm. Sorry. Still learning. Um, um, and when you breathe out, obviously that should contract. Um, but I had been doing it backwards my whole life. So when I was breathing in, I was like sucking in my whole body and you don't get any breath of fresh air. So you were breathing like the opposite of the way you should have been. My entire life for like literally 29 years, I was breathing wrong. Um, so 
I was like, wow, that feels good. Like, not only was I breathing wrong, but when you're actually realizing that your breath has the power to move energy, like, even if you're just having like a shitty five seconds or your whole day was terrible, if you just like, I know it's not like the old me before ayahuasca, if somebody said just take a deep breath and let it out, I'd be like, shove that up your ass. <laughs> like, please. And then choke on it, like shit it out and choke on it after, because that is, uh, you can't. And just, burn in hell. She's always it. been, she's always been such <laughs> like, a sweet, real. sweet kid. She's like, going, <laughs> like she's gonna like pull out a knife but and honestly, stab it into the table. It works. Ah! No, like, I, know, I know what you're saying, Kristen. That's like the old cliche. You can out that negative yeah. energy. Okay, that's so the old cliche it. when somebody tells you just take a breath. So, and I'll give you an example a, shortly. A yeah. big, a, a big, uh, something you keep bringing up. Um, well, in the beginning, was you you struggled with anxiety a lot, mm-hmm. which I honestly i I had something I went through something where after the the matter I had really bad anxiety, like um, I guess I would say social anxiety. Mm-hmm. So if I was around a group of people, uh, I would start to get uh, I guess super heightened. It kind of felt like I was gonna go like heightened senses. Because like I have, ex- I experienced that. It was all in my, I guess, in my head, um, and I would start to get this feeling of like, uh, I almost felt like I was gonna go crazy, sort of, mm-hmm. in that I had to leave. I just had to get out of wherever I was, and it was always, it was always in a group of people. Like, I had to get the fuck out of here. And to the point where I actually many times would, when this would start to happen, my body would feel like terrible. My mind would be racing. I'd feel crazy. I'd just be like, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. And I don't know if it was adrenaline pumping into my body, fight or flight type of response. But that was the anxiety I experienced. And many times, many, 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 many times I would just get the fuck out. I would be like, I'm out of here. And then go back and it would happen all over again. But there was a point in time in which this was happening where I where I was just kind of like, you know what? Fuck this. Like the I, I don't I don't need to be dealing with this. So I that's what I would do. I would deal with it. I would force myself when that would start happening in a group of people, I would force myself to sit there for as long as I could, at, no matter how like anxious how how bad my thoughts were racing how bad like bad my body felt how much i just want to fucking leave i would force myself to sit there and one of the big things and this kind of goes back to what you're talking about with the breathing was i developed a way to breathe in which to combat this social anxiety which I don't know if it happened naturally, if I kind of already internally knew it, but I would go through that anxiety. I would force myself to sit there and eventually got to the point where I would work through the situation with deep breathing in their nose, out to the mouth. And I would do it. So, and then every time this would happen, I would keep doing it. And eventually I would work through that escalated, uh, state of anxiety quicker and quicker and eventually those states of anxiety would get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and And now to the point of which when i have anxiety 
I immediately go into this state of I'm going to just sit here and deal with it. And I immediately go into a state of I'm going to go into breathing if it gets that bad. Because, you know, anxiety, extreme states of anxiety can change into panic attacks if they get bad enough. But, which I've also had. But, I'm going to deal with it first state and immediately go into I'm going to deep breathe if it gets to that point and I get through it and now it's almost like non-existent. I feel like you were born to work in the mental illness field because you ha- you were born with the tools you needed. Um, but for me, I feel like even if I was born with those tools, I didn't have access to those tools. So luckily I found, luckily when in my desperation, I found that tool, which shouldn't have taken that long to find, but I am so grateful every day that I did just to learn how to breathe. As much as I felt like my night was wasted, I, I did get, I did get a lot from that night. Um, even though it was 10 hours of stretching and breathing, it was what I needed. Cause like I said, ayahuasca will not give you what you want. It's going to give you what you need. And I needed to learn how to breathe. So, you know, night three rolls around. It's my last night. I'm still like, okay, I, I, you know, I feel a little bit better today again, but I, uh, I just can't say that I won't kill myself still in my life. Like I can't say I won't run into that impulse again. Um, so one of my biggest fears with ayahuasca was that I would die. Well, obviously that I'd shit my pants in front of people that I don't know, and then <laughs> I would be die. more concerned about <laughs> shitting my poop. pants in front of people than uh, like dying because everybody dies. Yeah, but my also one maybe fear was the poop. But maybe also on some level, everybody shits their pants. Yeah, I mean, we've all I mean? done it. it. Sucks, we've all done it, but hopefully <laughs> it won't happen on ayahuasca. Just follow the diet, people. Follow the diet. Dieta, <laughs> dieta, dieta. Um, so. Yeah, night three, I went in with no expectation, really no intention, uh, just as as fully surrendering as I could, um, understanding what I had learned the two nights before. Okay, ayahuasca, give me what I need, and I am fully accepting. I may feel scared, but I'm ready. Show me what I need. And um, so I think night three was probably like a three-tablespoon night. Um but it it's uh it just kind of starts slow. I'm seeing like visuals of different animals. Uh, every animal I feel like on the existence of the planet came to visit me one by one, and they made eye contact with me. It that started with a sounds wolf. Sounds awesome. Yeah, it started with a wolf. Uh, the wolf. Oh. When I see animals, usually the wolf comes to visit me first, and that's it lets such me a good know, animal like, to yeah, have visit for real. And I am um, a super animal lover. Animal lover. Um, people within like a couple minutes of meeting me, like. I could just say, like, oh, I love animals, and they'll be like, oh, I can tell. <laughs> like, you've already said a hundred things about animals, and I didn't even remember saying one thing about animals. Well, they're fascinating creatures. And they're just beautiful. They're so loving. They are so misunderstood. Uh, there's just so much. And they are totem, like, Native American side. Like, I believe in animals having spirits and totems and messages and symbolism and uh, guidance for you in whatever stage of life you may be at. If a if a turtle crosses your path in the middle of the day, there's got to be a message from that turtle for you from your ancestors. So look it up, you know? Um, <laughs> well, so... <laughs> a big part of that, too, is like omens. Yeah. Like, uh, I guess, have you ever read, uh, um, what the fuck's the name of that book? 
The Alchemist. No, it's on my list. I have like a 2000 book list. So The Alchemist, I would say, is uh, it's kind of this book that's sort of fable-ish. Orange um, and yellow cover. Kind of sure. fun, uh, uh, easygoing story that's mixed with philosophies and spirituality, but very so-so, and it kind of explains. Um, I don't know if it's like would be synchronicity or possibly omens or or totem poles or messages coming from nature, but a lot of what they talk about a big. Uh, a theme is accepting the omens or reading the earth or nature or things that happen in your life as messages or, or, or or things to read into that you can use to your advantage to kind of propel yourself through life and to almost have a better life. Yeah. A divination tool. I, um, I was always into that stuff before ayahuasca and then it's just only gotten stronger and stronger after and a lot of that was sticking uh, to the dieta, mostly avoiding all those processed foods, and then actually, like, more recently, actually uh, kicking them out of my life. But, so yeah, night three rolls around, the wolf visits, um, and that followed by one by one, all these different animals coming in, making eye contact with me, uh, like, right in front of my face, you know, like, closer than anyone you've ever gotten in the face of. Like, these animals were just, like... Growling. We are... No, they weren't even growling. They were just uh, making eye contact with me and like almost embedding their strengths and qualities into my core to prepare me for what was coming. Um, <laughs> so I'm like feeling like loved and welcomed and embraced and uh, calm because all these animals are here. And I'm like, oh, this is great. This is like safety net. 100%. I'm not going to be afraid of them. These are just Cri- animals. Kristen, sorry to yeah. interrupt. What kind of animals were they? Um, so it started with a wolf, like a tribal Native American wolf. He is like, when you picture a wolf, it's like the gray and white wolf. And it had a, the first time I saw him, he did not have a Native American headdress on, but I could tell he was tribal. And I don't know why I get the male energy. I didn't know at that time, but ayahuasca trip, like number 15, like Jesus. traveling trip journey number 15, I, I, I realized why it was male energy, but we'll get to that someday. Um, Two years from now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I tell long stories. Sorry. No, you guys can go to bed and just pause this till tomorrow. Um, it's good for a drive, I swear. A long We're drive. Good. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. So, yeah, there were like eagles, different birds, um, foxes, uh, jaguar. Um, I have jaguar tattoos. Cool. Yeah, I'm thinking about getting a jaguar. For one of my next I was actually countries. going to ask you if it, if if that's funny you said that. I was actually going to ask you if a, if you saw a jaguar. Actually, in my first night of ceremony, in all that darkness that I was seeing when I was getting taken back and forth to the woods, in the bushes, um, every time I would look like into the bushes and peer into the darkness, everything was so bright from moonlight. But when I would peer into the bushes, into the darkness that surrounded me, I would see jaguar eyes, like every time there'd be like six sets of eyes in one bush you know but i didn't think anything of it i was like what are those eyes they're animal eyes it's fine and i just let them go um so this is night three and all these animals are coming to visit me um felt pretty comfortable with them um, sorry sorry and then the all, double snap <laughs> and then all of us it should have been a triple snap but uh we got some stingy people just kidding um 
Is that your way of saying you would like a drink? Yeah, I can't ask for things. I have one left. Well, Buckley's had seven cans and I've had three, so should let's take a poll, people. But I'm should a bigger, I'm a bigger guy. Doesn't matter. Just give her the last can. <laughs> Fuck. All it's right, my fine. first show. Fine, <laughs> fine. You can hit the store on the way home. Fine. Um. So yeah, the I'm I'm pretty much. I'm pretty much cool with every animal except for snakes. For some reason, they just like jump out at me in the woods and they kind of like startle me. So they're not as like um, uh, afraid of you as I don't know. They just jump out at you. So these two snakes come and they come like uh, symmetrically like curving up and they come right in front of my face. And I'm like, oh, God, snakes. And that's when the fear started kicking in. And I was like, it's okay, it's okay. You said you were going to surrender. And Grandmother Ayahuasca will only show you snakes if they're here to love you. And I was like, at least it's not spiders. Um, I literally said that in my head. Like, at least it's not spiders. It's just snakes. They're okay. So I had to, like, talk myself through the snakes. Next thing I know, I, I'm, I'm still laying on my mat. Next thing I know, I opened my eyes, like actually opened my eyes, and I look down, and I'm covered in snakes. They're all around my body, like all over me, on the side of me, in between my leg, not not inside of me, but like in between, wrapping around my legs, everywhere. Um, Like I'm in a pillow, in a bed, in a pool of snakes. Um, I look to my left, and I see a great anaconda like its head to my left and its body is resting under my head like a pillow and to my right is the rest of the giant anaconda body like fat thick like meaty anaconda giant bigger than me um within minutes all of these snakes started squeezing my body um And I have, like, a seizure disorder. I felt my hand starting to, like, convulse. And I felt like I was going to get a seizure. But all these snakes just squo... Like, squoze isn't a word, but it should be. They kept... They squeezed me harder. Um, Squoze. Yeah, they squoze me uh, very tightly. And when they felt that my hand was starting to convulse and I was going to have a seizure, they went to my hand and they just crushed my hand. So I physically could not shake it was like someone crushed a can but it was all these snakes crushing my body i felt the the wind come out of me and everything um and i just had to sit there and i had already committed to surrendering and just accepting like hey these snakes aren't really here but i have to experience this for some reason and i can't wait to see why um so and i was able to breathe through it i just (sighs) breathed it out you know um, so yeah, they, they basically squeezed the life out of me and they squeezed the seizures out of me. I went from having seizures once every month to every other month for, I don't know, like seven years to, I haven't had a seizure since November, 2019. And that's pretty amazing all because these like imaginary snakes came and they squoze the seizures out of me. Pretty cool. Squoze. Yeah. Squoze them. Squoze There's them that right word out. again. Um, squeezed them. I just it just sounds better. Squoze. Uh, and I was an English like straight A student, so. All right, so. So yeah, that what? happened, and like I said, my biggest fear was dying. Um, so shortly after the snakes did that, you have to die because you just got the life squeezed out of you. 
So I'm str- I'm sitting there like my 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 fingers are twisted into my body. Everything's tense. I felt like I just had a seizure, but I didn't convulse. It's just like my muscles hurt like I had one and everything is really stiff, like like paralysis in a way. The snakes are gone though. I'm just really stiff. Um my shaman comes over to me. She's cuz I'm sitting there like laying on the ground like you know like just like in pain from these snakes. She's like um, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? You know, trying to make sure I'm actually okay physically. And I was like, I I think I'm going to die. I think I have to die and I'm not ready to die. And she's like, you can, you can die. It's okay. You're not actually dying. She's like, why are you afraid to die? And I, I honestly, I don't know what I said to her in that moment, but every reason you know everyone's afraid to die so i listed probably spat out like six thousand reasons why i'm afraid to die or why i'm not ready or all the things i regret who knows i'm not afraid to die and well that's what you say (laughs) okay okay, kristen kristen so do you think that the snakes were a metaphor to squeeze your old life out of you in this experience on this journey that you went to where they're like okay so we're gonna squeeze your life out of you and we're going to release you and let you come into your new life. Did you think anything about that or possibly that that was a sign? I didn't think anything about it at the time, um, but it did lead me into what's about to happen. Uh, at the time, all I could think was, hey, these guys literally just loved me so much that they squoze the seizures right out of me. Like they're never going to like I'm never going to have a seizure again. You know, I truly felt like they just like solved the issue that no neurologist could solve at the time. Um so I, I just left it at that. Did it work? Yeah, I haven't had a seizure. All right. Legit. So you've been seizure free since that ceremony. Almost 2 years now, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm at 2 years since that Prozac episode where something told me to kill myself like a demon entered through the medicine into my mind and told me to kill myself like i i'm two years off antidepressants now and i'm almost two years seizure free um and that's good i took all those anxiety meds to get on the plane i'm also almost two years anxiety med free because i haven't taken an anxiety med since that day that i got on that plane okay so so tell me how the plane ride was coming home after that particular ceremony She's well, like, I, I really just, like I just feel like this now. one, this last part of my ceremony that weekend is kind okay, of sorry. like big. Um, so, like I said, I'm afraid to die or poop myself, whatever. Those are my top two fears: was that I was gonna die. Basically, was like the ultimate fear that you fear all the time, or at least I did. I'm always afraid to die, or I was. Um, so she comes over. She's like, "It's okay. You like, if that's what you need to do, that's what you need to do. Surrender." She walks away, and honestly, I I still. It wasn't my shaman that sat next to me because I, I talked to her about it and it wasn't her. She, somebody, some other woman came to me, which we believe was grandmother ayahuasca, who sat next to me and guided me through this next part. Um, so I'm laying there on the ground and I let myself die, which was really difficult. You just, like, I had to let go and I had to accept that death is not the end. And it showed me what happens when you die. Like... I somehow I looked down and there was like this gaping bright white hole in my chest like somebody had shot me in the woods with like an arrow because now we're fast forwarding to like either my holocaust past life because I'm Ashkenazi Jewish 
or we're pa- we're uh, rewinding to my Native American past life where I was slaughtered by white man because I'm in the woods, I'm barely wearing anything I can feel like that I'm like just, you know, in, in deer skin basically. Um, I've got this big hole in my chest and I was, sur- I was uh, fighting death, fighting the act of dying. And that's when, you know, she sat next to me and she's like, it's okay, you can die. So I let it happen. Um, and basically my body just deteriorated onto the ground that I was laying on, which was like soil and grass. And I could feel, I was like feeling the soil within my hands, grabbing it for comfort as I was dying. Um, and mm, my skin all just, you know, when you die, you die. You're, you you you're you're nothing but bones so all that that process happened and the grass started growing through and i was nothing but bones but then all of a sudden when the grass started going like growing back through and life started rebirthing from all the carbon and you know potassium and whatever my my nutrients broke down to for the soil for that new life to start i was being born with those plants that were like coming into this that were growing into the soil from my decomposing body feeding it and it felt like like just like one death is not the end two it's like very easy it's very comforting and it feels good it feels like reborn with knowledge and everything you need and all the love you need before your condition to feel whatever you feel in whatever lifetime you're in. So it was a rebirth. So it was a rebirth. Hey, that's my rebirth. So let me ask you a question because I know how I, I stand on this. And you mentioned something about a past life. Like, do you believe in, uh, multiple lives? Do you believe in reincarnation? Definitely. Yeah, I do too. I got shown that if I didn't fully believe it before ayahuasca, I do fully believe it now. And I, that was just the first time I died with ayahuasca. I've died probably five other times now with ayahuasca. I don't know. I don't know if I. I kind of feel that like death doesn't really exist. Yeah, it does. That, yeah. That like whoever you are when you die is sort of gonna just become um, you again. Your point of perspective of the energy that is in the world in a different point of perspective throughout the universe if that makes sense yeah that does make sense i've always believed now i had a reading done years ago and the person doing the reading was like you are an old soul you have been alive for literally thousands of years and i've always and you know what's really weird is even as a kid and this is before anybody even understood the concept of reincarnation i in my soul, in my in my brain, in my heart, knew that I had been reincarnated, like I was someone else before. And I've had many dreams, many visions of past lives, like past life regressions. And that's something I kind of wanted to dive into, which is why the ayahuasca kind of interests me. Uh, and not just ayahuasca, or ayahuasca, but you know, I would like to try some of the other things too, like the like what? like like the DMT oh. or, or peyote or some stuff like that, right? I've but, done opium, but okay, so I've never done that, but I understand but that peyote. that's that's an unusual little journey there, uh, <laughs> which which opium is the derivative that heroin actually comes yeah. from. But but the funny thing is 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 as a kid, 
I believed in reincarnation before anybody sat me down and said, you know, explain the whole process to me. I just automatically believed that. I believe that our bodies that we have right now are just avatars. They're just vessels that our soul is inhabiting uh, for however long it is that we're here, right? Uh, and then when you die, then your soul continues. And that's another question I had is, Sometimes, you know, when they talk about ghosts, like your brother's a big ghost hunter and stuff, like are these ghosts just, just entities or souls that don't realize that they're dead? And and that's why it's interesting you say, Kristen, that during your ayahuasca journeys that you die and then you're, rebor you're reborn. Well, that was her experience. Right, right. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, you know, obviously this is the only person that I know that I know, you know, actually has used ayahuasca and has actually done the done the ceremony. Right. So something that, well, I mean, well, the narrative that science says um, on a quantum mechanical level is that basically everything, whether it's this table, whether it's this mic, or whether it's me or the river to whatever, a mile that way, it's all basically essentially the same thing. It's not stardust. It's not carbon. It's not that. It's it's just energy. Mm -hmm. So basically, Ron, you are no different than this table or the ceiling or whatever. It's all just energy. So like when you start to think of that, if you kind of accept that point of perspective and you kind of grasp that point of perspective, it kind of means that like everything that you see or you come across or you encounter is a point of perspective of the energy, whether it accumulates in the physical or whether it accumulates with a higher perspective, possibly of energy or the perspective of you, which is human. But it also means that you and the tree or Kristen or the computer, they all sort of start to bleed together. Do you know what I mean? Yep. And like once you kind of maybe start to see that, there might not be so many dimensions in the reality that you think of, whether you see the edge of the computer or the edge of a tree as it proceeds into the far off distance. Does that make sense? I think that's where vibration and frequency and light come into play. Like when I said my fundamental like beliefs are we are everything is energy, light and vibration or frequency. I think, yeah, everything is energy. The table's energy, the computer's energy, your energy, we're all the energy. But when you add the light and the frequency and vibration, that's where there's more depth to us all. If I hold my hand out in front of me and I look at my hand and I'm looking through my hand at the table behind it, is there really any depth to that? Maybe there is, maybe there's not. Or is the edge of where my, my finger meets the table in my eyesight just kind of bleeding together with a definitive point of perspective that differentiates the two from each other. Does that make sense? So it's kind of like it's bleeding possibly at this point of my perspective in which I'm looking at my hand through to the table. There's not much difference from where the table starts to where my hand starts. Yeah, they both... They're both sweating. They're both sweating. <laughs> That's hey, what okay, so you know whatever. I'm just kidding. So, I try. They don't look sweaty. So so they're so, both sweaty. That's so, all she so said. So I think Sorry. that 
you know, I think that psychedelics and hallucinogens are, well, because there is kind of a difference, right? But say psychedelics, for instance, uh, and this is why I think they're illegal, right? Is that the government doesn't doesn't want you to take psychedelics because your psychedelics open up your your mind that is actually uh, closed, right? Like like it's a closed mind. They want you to, and this all comes down to governmental mind control programming from the TV programming, from what you learn in school, your indoctrination, you know, and so on and so forth. But I think, oh, no, this needs to be illegal because we don't need people thinking for themselves. Mm. We don't need people to come up with their own ideas. We don't need people to go against the norm. We don't need people to discover that life really shouldn't be getting up, doing your chores, getting in your car, going to work, making money, using all that money to pay bills. Do this and, and have your life have like zero meaning and, and and when i said before like every like we're all just leading these pointless li- pointless lives because you know because as soon as you die like nobody's going to remember you nobody's going to say oh they did a great job going to work and being a nice little slave or whatever and i think that psychedelics help people use their part of their mind to open up their part of their mind that that your subconscious doesn't let you use doesn't let you see things like 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 our psychedelics a tool that opens up your mind to allow you to see what's really in front of you right because your because your closed mind does not allow you to see certain things or to be uh creative like how many creative people and how many creative things were produced through the use of psychedelics, right? Right. Take, take art, for instance. Oh. Famous oh. paintings, right? Music, like like Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club album. They were all on hallucinogens, LSD, the whole time they were Artists doing that album. Artists Yeah. Uh, music, Pink Floyd music, that's mm-hmm. another big one. And this is all, and this is why they kind of vilify like that type of music, because that music can open up your mind. I know when I'm feeling like, to use an old term, when I'm feeling melancholy, like I will listen to some Pink Floyd. And 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 I don't mean like the, the commercial stuff. I mean like the stuff that nobody really listens to. Is there and, anybody and, out there? And, and, and believe it or not, like, like it really, it brings you deeper into whatever sorrow that you're dealing with at the time. But towards yes. the end of it, when you start embracing that sorrow or embracing the darkness, which I have learned to do over the years, because I have dealt with a lot of like really negative things in my life. I have dealt with a lot of death in my life, very close family members, close friends. Uh, and it's really countless when I think back at how many friends I've actually lost in my lifetime. And that's, you know, attributed to the crazy lifestyle that I used to live and, and things like that. But there was a lot of deaths in my family that were accidental. And, and so when you sit down and you start thinking about this, uh, and then you'll say, man, I just need to listen to a little bit of something just to take my mind away or to take my mind back to a better time, I guess. And then you start listening to the music and you're like, this music was written by people that were on hallucinogenics and psychedelics at the yeah. time. And it's just really amazing stuff. Some 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 books, stories that have been written. That famous story, Xanadu, was written. And, and the author said that, that Xanadu... And that's an old story. Everybody, you're going to have to look that one up. But 
He said that that story was the result of a dream that he had when he was on opium. And it became some famous story. So, so you know, I think psychedelics open people's minds. Uh, they open you up to massive creativity that you would normally be blocked from. Like, like when I used to do a lot of artwork, when I used to paint, uh, and I would do custom painting on people's vehicles and their motorcycles and stuff. You know, the one thing that nobody could understand was, oh, well, when's that going to be done? Well, I need to be in the mood to do it. And they would give me a hard time. It's like, okay, you know nothing about being an artist. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> because you don't just sit down. This is not something that's mechanical, right? But I wasn't right. dabbling. I wasn't dabbling with any type of psychedelics, you know, at the time or whatever. Uh, and the older I get, I'm more interested in looking into it, to tell you the truth. Uh, Kristen and I, for the last couple of years, have actually talking about that. And that's why I'm so glad she's, you know, well, she's going to be part of the podcast anyways. But I was oh, so yeah, glad yeah. that she agreed to come on and tell us and share her experiences because, you know, a lot of people don't like to talk about things like that. But but I feel that that's why it's a Schedule 1 drug. They don't want people taking anything that's going to that's gonna make them smarten up to go against the narrative. Uh, and, and if any time we're being mind-controlled, I mean, it's the last year and a half, we've been heavily mind-controlled. We're no still way. We're still being mind-controlled. Uh, but anyways, uh, was no, there... I have, I have to share something. Okay, go ahead. I have to. It's a my. I'll try to make it brief but um i had a experience where um are you I, lost no hold on i was i was just trying to think i had an experience where i um i did some drugs okay i did some lsd and um I okay got, so in what form uh oral <laughs> no 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 i mean lsd was it just like like paper acid yeah okay and um it kind of it i'm like not gonna, a tab a tab or two yeah and i did a, a fair amount of it um over a couple of days this was a while ago and it kind of i'm not i'm it, it put me in a state of um it put me in a state of prolonged euphoric in a prolonged euphoric mindset whereas the effects were long elongated they were extended probably past the point in which they should have been as well as i wasn't sleeping a lot but in that state of mind which I remember very vividly, there was multiple things that happened and multiple things that stood out to me. The first one was I was extremely happy. Probably the happiest I had ever been. Was was everything funny? No, 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 okay. no, no. Not so much, no. It was more of like every... Okay, I'll just start. I was very happy, extremely happy, to the point in which... Uh, that was why people kind of started to notice that maybe I was a little different because I was too happy and I was happier than I should have been. That was the first thing. The second thing that I, I remember realizing was that whatever God was or is, was me. So it gave you a God-like feeling. No, not exactly. 
and I knew that was probably going to be something that you said combating this, but no. Whatever God was, whatever any higher energy or power was, it was me as well as it was everybody else. Does that make sense? I'm trying to follow you. So like whatever higher perspective or conscience, consciousness that was kind of perceived or felt or experienced in the world, it was you. So maybe at the point in time in which um, you are you, you don't really realize that per se, but it's a higher point of perspective or a higher consciousness that is you that kind of, I'll attribute it to um, possibly it's your inner voice. Possibly it's like your inner feeling. You know, when you have a gut feeling, when you have something kind of in the back of your head telling you like, don't do this, do that. So like your higher self. Exactly. So that's something that I kind of figured out is that like, whatever God is, whatever the creator is, whatever worldly powers are outside of humanity, it is you. Mm-hmm. It is you and it is it is her and it is you. The collective consciousness. It's all, it's all one thing. And that higher power is could be that inside voice that was number two the the third thing was that for oh sorry the third thing i came to grips with a lot of shit like bad shit that i was not okay with in my life like bad things i came to grip with that and i was okay with it and i accepted it and i was like i've i i i'm facing this now it's always going to be part of me. It's always going to be with me, but I can accept it and I'm going to move forward. Even knowing it'll still probably affect me. That was the third. The fourth thing, for some reason, and I don't know why, I became I became focused on money and value of things in the world. <clears throat> so when I looked at money and I looked at the values, the value of objects... It was all human attributed. So like say this iPhone, right? Whatever this is worth, all it's worth is that what humans gave value to it. So kind of the backhand of that was money, obviously, though it's widely the uh, most, one of the most important things in our society is all attributed value that humans gave to it. And for that matter, if you decide to really believe in what it's worth, you can kind of decide that maybe it's not really worth as much as it's attributed to be, as well as any other object that's port, port, forth, port put forth. So maybe this phone or this hat, I can attribute my own value to, in my own meaning, in my own worth to that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. So it's like value is kind of what you perceive it to be. That was, was that a fourth or fifth? Yeah, no, it all comes down to, it all comes down to what you think, like somebody will just say, uh, like, you know, ideal and kind of hard to find items for old cars. Right. So, and I'll say, well, what's it, what's it? Well, they'll say, well, what is it worth? I said, it's worth whatever the market bears. What is it worth to you? Right. Because what it's worth to me might be totally different what it's worth to him. To me, it's just something sitting out in my backyard. To him, it's something he needs. So there you go. There comes the value. Mm-hmm. So the last thing, this is the very last thing, and this was in the heightened, which Kristen, maybe you missed. I was 
I'd done LSD over prolonged a uh, couple of days and wasn't really sleeping a lot. And I was kind of in this state. And these are things that, uh, whatever. So the last thing that I, and I have literally told nobody this, anybody in my life, family, friends, Ooh. seriously. You heard it here first, folks. I'm not even fucking with you. I'm not just hyping shit up because like, I'm, I'm trying to be cool or anything like that. It's like literally because of the subject that we're talking about, psychedelics, and because of my experience with them, this is something that like I, I, I had, and it was kind of a, con, uh, I guess it was a combined experience, but things that were very mainstream media, and that were put forth through the system, I could see through. I could kind of see the uh, disingenuine side of them, whether it was like a magazine, like Time Magazine was placed in front of me and it had a picture of of Obama on it, or it was like a time or a Rolling Stone and it had a picture of this artist on it. I could see through that uh, the the persona that was put forth, and I could see the disingenuine side of it. And then I should have said. There's one more after this. This is the last one, I swear. I fucking saw things. Dark things that were, I don't know, they seemed to be people. They seemed to be, uh, have robes. And they Are you were, talking shadow people? Not exactly, because uh, my brother sent me some stuff of shadow people, which are more like silhouettes. I've never and I've never seen anything past that, but I've heard there are more silhouettes with like red eyes, right? They and don't always have red eyes, but yeah, that's common. That's just what I know. Okay. So, out of my peripherals, and every time that I look, I see dark figures. Some of them are male. Some of them are female. Some of them have straggly hair. Some of them have robes. And it's like they're watching me, and every time that I look at them, they run away and they disappear. Sounds like the old the Guardian, the Hag, and the Hat Man. <laughs> they were fucking whatever they were. They were dark, and they were trying to get to me. And whatever, I didn't engage, but whatever they were, they were dark not something that I wanted to be around. Yeah, right. they were just waiting for you to cave in, for you to lose it. For so you that, to be scared of them, yep. so to let them in. That's what I, that's so it was some, honestly what I felt. Some type of mm-hmm. deity waiting to possess you if you showed a weak moment, right? And then you didn't show a weak moment, and you said when you made eye contact with them, they ran away. Didn't make eye contact. Oh, Anytime okay. that I would see them and I would look, it was like they were running and then disip- they would disappear and then one would i would in my peripheral i'd catch one over here and i'd look and i'd see it kind of like hobbling away and disappear it was the weirdest fucking thing i've never told anybody about that because i just thought people would probably think i'm crazy and maybe it was no i don't think you're crazy at all i th- i think that i i've had uh i've had similar things uh, like not doing hallucinogenics yeah. uh out of my peripheral 
and it happens frequently, like it happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and this is really weird. And I know we're kind of getting, we're getting going a little long here. And this is only like part one, people. Yeah, part one. Like your listeners, this yeah, is part one, one because this is going to be a, a definitely, a definitely con- uh, continuing series because I want to start getting into subjects that I'm really interested in, like, like past lives, future lives, uh, different universes, uh, parallel universes. And I think that's all, I think all that can be conveyed through your mind and if, and if you can open your mind with the use of uh, hallucinogenics or psychedelics and i think you could have a really good experience but check this out for years ever since i was a kid in my peripheral vision when i'm walking around and things like that i see wolves i see wolves in my peripheral vision and i mean i can see them your peripheral vision goes back pretty far and then when i go to look they're gone but if I'm look straight forward, but if I can look straight forward, but I'm focusing in my peripheral, I can see them. And that's bizarre. And that is nothing new. It's been happening for literally for years. And I've never looked it up. I used to have weird dreams. My wife actually bought me a book that was supposed to decipher some of my weird dreams that I'll I have. That. And uh, and I have dreams about wolves all the time. I have dreams about sharks all the time. I always have the sharks. Yeah, I always have dreams about sharks. I've had dreams of getting attacked by sharks. Oh, yeah. Which all leads me to believe that I, in a past life I walked the plank. But, but yeah, the whole peripheral vision thing and what Buckley's saying, uh, he did. Now, I've never done, like, paper acid, what I call. Back in school, we called it paper Not acid, where they took the... They took the paper and then they would Water, soak it, soak yeah. it with the LSD and then cut it up into little tabs. Now I never did anything like that. Now the only thing that I did do an experiment with, and, and uh, well, we were experimenting with a lot of things back in these days, but uh, but we did get into mushrooms, uh, and I really liked those uh, for a couple of reasons. One. Uh, you know, again, I was always dealing with dilemmas in my life, like all the time. And when we would sit and do these, me and my friends, we had a group of friends, and we we were all pretty hardcore guys. And uh, and we would sit like at a friend of ours house uh, when his parents were out of town, and we were all sitting around drinking beer and doing mushrooms, right? Mm, and I can remember like the effect it it started when it gave you tunnel vision, gave me tunnel vision. And then, though, we were watching this movie on TV because we're all just kind of vegging out because we'd been partying like for two days and we figured we'd end that off with mushrooms. Right. Yeah. So we're watching this movie and and it was not a comedy. And all I can remember is laughing my ass off the whole time, like laughing, like hysterically laughing couldn't stop laughing, couldn't breathe half the time I was laughing so hard. And I remember the next morning getting up, I literally could not talk. Like my voice was gone from laughing so much. And it was like, just trying to relive that night. I'm like, oh my God, that was like totally insane. Uh, But I got to be honest, it's been probably 30 years or a good 25 since I've done Mushrooms. Uh, but anyways, but I'm, but I'm, you were I'm, saying you laughed a lot. Oh my God. When I take mushrooms, I get so giggly. Oh my God. I like, la- well, ridiculous. you know how you laugh when you smoke dope, right? Everything's good. Well, that, you know, that's kind of not always true. Sometimes, sometimes if I dabble in it, uh, everything is wicked funny. I guess it depends on the mood. And, and Kristen, that's why I asked you with mushrooms. 
Uh, no, with pot. Oh, with pot. Yeah, yeah dope so, is now heroin yeah, these days. The yeah, calling, no, 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 you know? no, I don't. So we're just talking weed, kids. Just yeah, weed. yeah, no, we're talking Green weed, which gosh. should be legal in all 50 states on a federal <laughs> yeah. level and state level. Uh, but anyways, uh, so, so yeah, but other times uh, I had a buddy of mine, uh, we'd be out riding motorcycles. We used to have this routine that we did. Uh, we would go to this uh, Mexican joint. We drink a bunch of margaritas, eat a bunch mm-hmm. of burritos, uh, and then we'd go back to my house, and then we would smoke dope for about an hour. <laughs> and uh, and this was like our Tuesday, like Tuesday routine. Tuesday, no, yeah, Tuesday routine. And uh, but why I can didn't re- you invite me? But I can remember, I can remember sitting on my couch and we'd just be watching TV. And my buddy, uh, his name's Dave, and he just never like talked anyways. And then he would start getting talkative, and then I can remember feeling this tingling sensation that would start in my feet. It would go all the way up my body, tingle up my body, up my arms, up my shoulders, up my neck, and it would get to the top of my head, and it would sit in the top of my head and like spin, like like do this whatever it was doing, and it would come back down my body. But then we would get really like introspective, and we would have conversations about like just like the weirdest weirdest things. And I'm like, you know what? Back then I said. Next time we do that, I'm going to put a tape recorder on record. Yeah. And I'm going to listen to this shit the next day and see what we actually talked about. You know, so I mean, it's different different drugs affect you in different ways. Uh, and that's sure. why I asked you, Kristen, like in your different journeys that you were on with the ayahuasca, you know, no no two journeys were the same, right? I mean, you or did you have similar journeys? Uh, well, they uh, similar to the psilocybin, they all start with that initial scan so you saying you felt the tingling at your feet and then basically moving up your body until it reached the crown chakra that tingling you felt like on the top of your head was actually all your energy in my opinion all your energy with both the psilocybin and the ayahuasca these extra forces whatever happens when you're on these psychedelics I think they they take your DNA, everything that you've got going on in this physical body, and they bring that up to your crown chakra. They start at the very low, that uh, the muladora, the root chakra, the, the grounding one, you know? They bring it all up to the crown where they can actually access it and enter it. And they analyze it, and then everything comes back down your body. Like... I felt that, I feel that every time I do ayahuasca. I feel the initial scan going up and down through all of my DNA strands. And sometimes you'll even see like different parts of your body, like you can see and feel them lighting up. And it's like ayahuasca has the ability, and I believe psilocybin does the same thing too, scientifically, research wise, where it goes through and it affects the neurotransmitters in a way where they get to rebuild themselves and re uh, repair the dead ones. So I think I think that happens every single time where where cells get repaired and DNA structures get like revitalized. Um, so very similar with the psilocybin and the mushrooms. They're both very powerful. So so it brings you back, gives you life back to you, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, the other thing about, too, is in, uh, and just quick, because I kind of want to save some stuff for the rest of the series that we're going to do. But, you know, uh, like, like, psychedelics are not addictive. Like, they've proved that. Yeah. They proved that they're not addictive. And, and in actuality, they say they're actually anti-addictive. Uh, I was doing a little research the other night, and I discovered that the founder of Alcoholics Anonymous actually 
did LSD to quit drinking. <laughs> yeah, no, so listen, I heard about that. I'm like, nah, it doesn't sound right. So I looked it up. Sure enough, uh, you can go online and you can check it out. But well, I mean, MDMA also, uh, MDMA, they're helping to treat uh, like uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And now, was that ecstasy? Yeah. It, yeah it's is that what it ecstasy, is? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm not that familiar with that. Molly, similar. It's not, uh, not exactly the same as MDMA, but they're using it for like a lot of soldiers that come back and have post-traumatic distress sure. disorder. Um, Which is a, that's like just a chemical anxiety. one. They could use psilocybin or ayahuasca and we could get to the answer and the root that much faster and we could heal these people, the veterans, the traumatized people, whoever has been through what, we can heal these people and like the next generations that they're going to like conceive, you know, reproduction, we can heal the next lifelines with these psychedelics but instead, the government is like, yeah, let's just throw some ecstasy or MDMA or like chemically compounded psychedelics into the mix. And not not that they're psychedelics, but you know what I mean? Like these chemically almost half pharmaceutical, half plant based mixes into someone's body. And yeah, they're going to help a little bit. But why can't we just why can't we just take it in natural form? Why can't we just heal everyone? Like, why yeah. Why can't yeah. we just help everyone? Because there's a cult that's against us. <laughs> Fall, yeah. come it's on. trying to destroy yeah. humanity. Yeah, you know, hey, Satanists. hey, there was a lot of other things I wanted to touch on today, but obviously the subject of psychedelics is nothing you're going to cover in a couple of hours, right? No, definitely not. But, uh, but I know we're running kind of long. I really enjoyed the show. Kristen, I want to thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Hey, hey, and, uh, hey, just hey so, so, so we've been trying to get trying to get a hold of Kristen. I finally texted her the other day, and I didn't ask her to come on the show. What did I say? I said, you're coming your on the show together, Tuesday, kid. so get your shit together. Uh, and she came through, so I'm very happy about that. That's and, good. And, and I look forward to having her in the studio more as we go forward. Me as well, yes, sort of. Yes, and, Buck, and well, Buckley's met. Uh, we had a nice little meeting back before we were first. I did. When we were first planning the show. This is not the first time yeah, that I met Kristen. the meeting of the minds. Yeah, so I definitely back then I, I, I knew that I wanted Kristen to be part of the we show. We talked so about some, really cool. some crazy shit. It was only five months ago. I didn't miss much. I've been listening in. Um, and so everybody knows I got back on that plane. I died through ayahuasca. I was reborn. Some other stuff tap. Some other stuff happened with Icaros and sound and vibrations. Well, that's another episode. Um, but the rebirth process was great. I haven't taken any like antidepressants, a prescription, anxiety medication, or anything like that since November 2019, and we're now almost like July 2021. Um, but yeah, I got back on that plane. I knew how to breathe. So anytime I had anxiety, I just looked at the person as I was boarding the plane. <sighs> if they looked at me the wrong way or gave me anxiety, I literally fucking breathed in their face. I blew my <laughs> breath in their face. The breath is and very powerful. And it feels so good. It's so powerful. Um, it's very yeah, powerful. It's one, I would say it's one of the life forces. Yeah, well, I, I can say for one that I'm very happy, Kristen, that you're doing much better because ever since you were born, I always kept my eye on you. And I'm just I'm glad that you because I know you've gone through some tough times and and I'm just really glad that you're doing better. And, and now you're part of the Wicked Planet family. So uh, so we'll move forward and, uh, you know, and I'm going to keep you busy. So you're not going to have much time to get too much anxiety yeah, going forward. Yeah. Hey, so yeah, did I want to see some artwork from you. Oh yeah, Art, no. Kristen's going to be art. working on a lot of artwork for us. She's finally got her computer rebuilt. 
Nice. Uh, everybody yeah, knows I saw she... it. Her computer, it looks like a club in like New York <laughs> City like or something. Lights. It has all these lights, lights and crystals and shit. Energy. I haven't seen a computer like that ever. Yeah, I know. And so, it was my first build, so I'm pretty proud. Yeah, you know, and you've been working on that for quite a few months, I know, because I would check in on you. Hey, uh, you don't have to, but do you want to share your socials yeah. with anybody? Um, so I have... I'll have to spell it out for it. Instagram is, is the big one for me. This is a hard one to spell for most people. So my personal Instagram is iridescence. Um, it's I-R-I-D-E-S-C-E-N-C-E-919. Um, I believe that's the same for my Twitch that I'm going to be starting with the streaming for gaming. I'm going to do like a cult episodes with esoterics and stuff like that. I'm going to save most of that for the podcast, but you know, we'll do some tarot card polls and whatever. Um, just some divination tools. My, I have an herbalism page because I, uh, one thing I learned during my first ceremony weekend was how to become a like master herbalist. Um, So I got certified and I work with plants now, whether it be lavender or ayahuasca or whatever. I work with plants that heal the body. So my my herbal page, deer, like the animal, underscore A-N-D, underscore crow. Deer, underscore, and underscore crow. Deer and crow. You know, that's my herbal page. Um, Aside from that, I I basically only use Instagram, even though it's owned by Facebook and it's garbage. Um, Those are my two things in Twitch. So you can find me there. Uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, Instagram's the big one, and I'm uh, and I'm gonna put your socials. Uh, your uh, you'll have to give me the herbal one there. I'll put that in the show notes uh, so people. Uh, if you want to uh, follow Kristen, I encourage you to do that. Uh, we all know Buckley doesn't do any socials. He does socials, but he doesn't want to do socials. So that's totally cool. I respect that. Uh, you know where to find me on Instagram, Ron from New England. Or you can find me on Instagram at the Wicked Planet Podcast. Uh, also, you can email us anything that you want to talk about, any show ideas, or want to share any experiences and um, maybe experiences that you've had in uh, psychedelics. Uh, any experiences you've had with aliens or Bigfoot or anything. You guys all know the drill. So, and uh, uh, my can... closing thoughts. Well, hold on. I wanted to give the. Oh. Did I say uh, the Wicked Planet Podcast at gmail.com? I think so. Uh, did I say that? No, I you said at not, Instagram. But we need it. Oh, yeah. shit. I'm sorry, Kristen, what'd you say? You the wick- didn't, but we needed it. The yeah. Wicked okay. Planet Podcast at gmail.com. Correct. My closing thoughts The Euro Cups started, which is soccer. Watch it. I have to go home and ice my leg because it got hacked in a soccer match and is in extreme pain. And I am also thinking about. Sorry, I am also thinking about. That's the sound effects. I am also thinking about starting to box again, so I can fight Logan Paul in a distance, distant match. Yeah, there you go, like a a charity match, where where all the proceeds (laughs) go to a charity of our choice. Us. Yes, (laughs) I'm coming for you, Logan Paul. My closing note: If you are going to follow my Instagram, just make sure you're following uh, the Wicked Planet or Ron from New England first. That way, I know you're from here because I just don't accept everybody on the personal page. But the Deer and Crow, go for it. Um, Otherwise, just like send me a message with like a period in it. That way, at least know you're not some stalker. That's that's just my uh, anxiety kicking in. 
Yeah, yeah, no, and that's totally legit. He if you follow Ron everybody. from New England, if you follow the Wicked Planet podcast, Kristen will know that and she will accept your follow request. Yep, and um, everybody just keep keep your diet in mind. Try to avoid as much processed garbage as you can. Obviously, don't get the jab is my opinion. Do not get jabbed. Um, but if you're going to get jabbed, make sure somebody knows where you are and who's jabbing you so that they can get your life Buddy system. in order and take care of your family. All right. <laughs> All right. Cool. Hey, Bye. thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. I know it's a little different from our normal show, but uh, I don't know. I have a good feeling about it. I think it was a good show. So, Buckley, let it happen. What? You know, when we do our whole ending thing? Yeah, you say your thing. Oh, shit, that's right. I What's hope you this? all you made doing? it to your long travel destinations and that you, what do you enjoy say listening it quick. to us during traffic. What do you, what do you hey, say? Okay, everybody. Ron from New England signing off. Buckley out. Buckley out.